Hello and welcome back to Blood and Ashes. This is episode 61. I am your host Mo and I'm joined again finally by my wolf brothers Vili. <laughs> and Jody. Uh, okay, hello. Oh, no, that's cat. Wait. <laughs> that's uh, wolf. Do wolves make any other sounds? <laughs> Joe, you looked confused when I said my wolf brothers, but did uh, I, did it no, come I rushing it. back? Okay, it came rushing back to me. Now I'm very stoked. It's like the highlight of this entire just section. I mean, at the risk of diving straight in, all of book five. <laughs> And yeah, in all, it's like this is our third last episode for book six. So, I mean, we always talk about how Perrin is missing for a book. He's basically missing for two. Apart from that yeah. mention in the prologue, he's gone. Yeah, he's yeah. busy doing other things, being a lord and traveling a bit. M- marching this from Eamonsfield. <laughs> That's all he's doing. Yes. I mean, and shagging yeah. his new wife. The two of them have a very passionate relationship. And they well, sure do. but it's just like um i've always even back in the day when i read the series the first time i was a little bit taken aback at just how absent parent was for a stretch of time and i realize now it was so significant because it isn't just one book it is for all intents and purposes two books which is crazy for if you think about the fact that parent is one of the three main protagonists yeah bad robert Bad. <laughs> now give us our parent spin-off story, Brandon. <laughs> yes. There's two books missing. There's like a whole a whole adventure that went on there that you would like to know about. Yeah. Probably be X rated or something. It's <laughs> more like something down the Mills and Boone path. There's <laughs> some fanfic out there for sure. <laughs> Hey, actually, speaking of which, have you guys ever tried to find Wheel of Time fan fiction? Where would one go? I don't know. Like, I've never even, the thought literally occurred to me. You heard me have the thought in real time. Hmm. You, uh, you go to uh, the internet no. and you type into that search bar and then you brace your eyes. And you see <laughs> what turns out. Turn search safe on or off? Not off. <laughs> you want that short. Life is too short <laughs> to play for Brisky. Depends what you want. You know, life is too short to deny yourself the pleasures of a a search safe result. Yeah, a filtered result. Yeah. <laughs> no, give me, give me, give me the pure and unfiltered. Okay, well, I guess speaking of old friends and familiarity, let's go check in on our old familiar friend, callbacks. We pondered briefly what was the chapter icon for chapter 37 again. It was, in fact, an Adam because Mogidian is on an Adam. Yeah. And then the great, the great uh, butt kick versus nut shot controversy of 2023 uh, is actually resolved in these chapters. I don't know if you guys remember, if you've read the chapters again recently, but um, we get a, a pinpoint description of exactly, exactly where the kick landed. Uh, and we were both wrong. It's on the shin. No. It's on the face. Oh, you both don't know. <laughs> excellent. No. Excellent. Okay. Me. <laughs> Neither of us who have read these chapters and made notes about it. It was a flying <laughs> kick through the face. 
<laughs> Don't worry, Mr. Detail Oriented over here picked up on it and took a note. Um, now we're going to do a segment within a segment called Speculation Time, where Mo just Ooh. speculates wildly about things that are probably totally untrue. We, we spoke about the confusion um, around Matt and the letters, right? Remember I mentioned last time that Matt's uh, referring to a letter from Elida that he was not there to witness being delivered to Rand. You know, Rand gave it to the, the woman to read. Um, and then as Kerry called out in our episode 50, like Matt was there when Moraine gave Rand the letter for Tom and then just doesn't remember it at all when, when Rand mentions it again and he actually hands it over to Tom. I have um, my own harebrained theory about that. And I wonder if Robert Jordan got confused about which letter delivery Matt was present for. Because in the one instance, Matt was there, but doesn't seem to have any recollection about a letter he witnessed being handed to Rand. And in the other instance, he was nowhere around when a letter was delivered to Rand. And he speaks of it as if he was there. So those letters were delivered very, very close to each other. You know, at the end of Kyrian section there, um, you know, before Rand goes to the docks and that sort of stuff. That was in very quick succession, but at two different uh, occasions. So my spe- my theory is that Robert Jordan thinks Matt was there for the other one when, in fact, it was the, the Tom letter. Mm. Well, I mean, that's why you hire interns to, you know, proofread this shit yep. mm-hmm. and uh, make sure that this stuff doesn't happen. And his wife, who's the editor, mm-hmm. should have picked out. I, there's a long list of people to blame here. There's a there's a personal assistant to Robert Jordan that has in the past answered a lot of detailed questions about specifics. I forget her name now. I'm creating a callback for myself. But um, mm. she has been posed questions like this sort of stuff to go trawling through his notes again and to go find exactly what was going on. Name starts with an M. I want to say Maria or something. Let's roll the dice and say her name's Maria. Um, I will correct myself next time if it isn't. Sure. Uh, but there's like a whole subject section of theories and stuff that people have fielded um, to her that she has answered definitively, which is um, something I might, you know, inquire about. Maybe maybe other people have asked her the same question because um, Robert Jordan certainly doesn't seem to have answered it. Anyway, that, that ends a segment within a segment with no jingle. Um, we also spoke about when Begita and Elaine are having a conversation in the street uh, and then in an alley, um, Arena is sort of standing a little ways off, glowering at them and then later walks up to them and gets shitty with Begita about spending time with Elaine. Um, when she had, you know, Begita had quote unquote promised to help Arena with her archery like she had promised. Uh, it's then that Begita grabs her by the braid and pushes her down the street, telling her we'll speak of archery, but first we'll speak about manners. Um, we were wondering, like, why did Begita get all shitty with Irena again? It's because she is pushing her luck all the time. Like, she's interrupting a conversation between an Aes Sedai and, I mean, she doesn't know it's her warder, but Begita and an Aes Sedai and being all, like, sulky about, like, you said you were going to help me with my archery. And Begita's like, yeah, and I will. So just fucking give me some space, you know, like, just back off a bit. Maybe don't butt into our conversations. I don't know if you can pick up on this, but I hate her. She is the worst. <laughs> Do you want to tell us how you really well, feel? I don't know. I think Elida is the worst, but sure. <laughs> it's now Arena. Yes. She's uh, the current subject of my ire. Um, no clear answers online about whether a wall of air would dissipate when Matt touched it while in contact with his medallion. Uh, a lot of talk about how 
the flows need to be targeted at the wielder of the medallion. Uh, but then the, the counter to that situation is always referenced as like the, the weaves are targeted something else. Like you said, Joe, if you pick up a stone or as Van Dien or Adelaide does in this section, horse poo uh, mm-hmm. picks it up with the power and throws it at Matt. Then obviously it does have an effect on him. But what we're talking about is something in between those two where the flows are not directed at Matt, but he would be interacting directly with the flows. And I think this is the distinction that people have made is that the rock or the dung or whatever it is, is not actually of the power where I don't know whether a wall of air is also like the, the wall that he touches. Is that of the power? Is that a flow of air or is that air that is just around that has been shaped by the power? Open question. Ooh, I had a, I have, I had such a strong opinion of this until you said that sentence. <laughs> now I don't know. I was like, totally, like Matt's going to walk through this wall of air and just leave like a Matt-shaped hole around, you know. Uh, I'm sticking to but it. But you're right. It's not a flow. It's air. Mm. I mm. think that if mm. he walks into it, he walks into a wall. It's not there. That's right. The thing that throws me off is that in specifically this case, the individual flows that comprise a weave are things of air, spirit, fire. So is the wall of air a wall of air flows or a wall of the air that was there anyway? And that is the crux. Shut up, Moritz. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're going to delve into the mechanics of how it does it on a molecular hand. Clearly, I do. We do want to do this. We're doing it already. It's going to get really deep. I think we're going to have to. We're uh, there. We're under. Because now look, are the flows of the one power that they use, like the flow of air, is it the flow of the power that represents air or is it a literal piece of air no it's the i think the former the power so air and all the 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 atoms the the molecules that make up air not just oxygen has got a little bit of power in it you know it's the planck theory little strings Mm -hmm. of energy so every element has this little strings of energy and those energies combined differently when woven together it's kind of like Moki making a potion and chucking in some potatoes and chucking in some <laughs> some snake oil and you're going off track <laughs> are you trying to go I'll, I'll focus, I'll focus. <laughs> just, just so they they're just chucking in all these little strands of energy to make something but these strands of energies communicate to the other yes. energies in the matter ah. that it talks to and then activates those energies. So, so when Matt touches the wall of air, it's the wall of air that was there. there already. It's not, yes. Matt's not touching a wall of threads or flows of air. No, he's touching yep. air, air that's become solid. Okay. Which is okay. a really dank there you go mm. thing. so we're gonna to have to walk back our opinion like we were all three of us last time. oh it definitely disappears as soon as matt touches that wall it's gone um i've gone the yeah. other way now yeah Me too <laughs> Mars has gone the other way well, we're very <laughs> open-minded here <laughs> <laughs> we have to be cool. we, we still love you Mars. Oh, thank you thank you um now you threw me there with that last sentence as well i was gonna say something else but now it's gone 
Um, an interesting side effect of the medallion that I, uh, in my research, quote unquote research, um, <laughs> that I read about is that apparently it also protects Matt's dreams. Like uh, it's a, apparently according to the fandom wiki, it is a true side effect. The medallion is not designed to do that, but it does. Um, the, the wielder has their dreams automatically protected. It's awesome. Nice. So it's yeah, like a side effect. That's like a double XP. This is yeah. a level up. Bonus yeah. effect. All right. Then we said that Elaine and Avienda need to be first sisters before they can share a husband. So I don't know about you guys, but now when I listened to this episode, I had to go, mm, what does that mean exactly again? What is that in, what is a near sister? What is a first sister? So here are the explanations. Yeah. Uh, a near sister are near sisters are um, really close friends. Okay. So like best yeah. friends, they are like sisters. First sisters are traditionally born of the same mother. That's your first sister. Yes. But you can go through the wise one ceremony to have your near sister become a first sister. And from that moment forward, you are basically sisters as if you were born of the Family. same mother. Yeah. To have a sister wife. So sister wives share a husband. Apparently to, mm-hmm. to be sister wives, you first need to be um, first sisters. You can't jump from near sisters to sister wife. Which is why Avienda says oh, well, here hold on, to hold on, Elaine. Hold on. Wait, wait. <laughs> you have to be. Scares, what, you have to be um, a biological sisters to have the same husband, because that's being first no. sisters. Like, oh yeah, well, have gone through the ceremony. The ceremony can make you first sisters Just to friends with anyone. Yeah, I know that. Like, the scrap that part. You so, are, so, so Billy, it's not sister. biological because you don't suddenly go back in time and come out of someone else's womb. So what is your real womb. sister? What do you call yourself? What is your real also sister? Also first sister. Also first sister. Okay, so yes. for, for two women to share a husband, they have to be first sisters, which means yes. two real sisters can share one man. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's messed, but anyway. Supposed to keep it in the family. I don't, I don't think they necessarily have to have threesomes. I think that's where exactly going. Like, yes. no, like, no, not can, at all. Don't perverse my words. Crimes. I'm just like, this is the <laughs> idea. Like, hey, sister, we grew up all together. Now we're just gonna have, and I mean, that could backfire so badly on a man. Like, two sisters will gang up against oh, you. Yeah. You're outnumbered. You busted. Like, damn. But I see this as a very bad idea. But. That's but what you can see happening is that that happens anyway, Vil, even though the first sisters via ceremony that aren't biological mm. will also gang up on the man. Yes, you know, yes, the biology of it doesn't enter DFS. into it. Yes, they are that close that they are first sisters. But anyway, that's Avienda says in that previous passage when she and Elaine are talking and she comes clean that she slept with Rand and all that stuff. She says there's a way for us to do this, but we need to be first sisters first. Um, and that's what triggered the thought. I was like, okay, but what is the difference between first sister and near sister and then sister wives? It's clear. It's clear now. Yeah. Thanks, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's clear. I don't know. Be first sisters first. Yes. Okay. Who's on first? Simple. Um, yeah. The sister. Turns out the wandering woman is another in. So, yeah, yes. Of course it is. <laughs> the first and last chapter yeah. uh, named after ends. And that was the last callback. And now we can go straight into listener contributions. We've got three here from Jacob. One that he had actually sent in the week uh, or the the episode before, but got in just a bit too late. Uh, Jacob says, 
uh, you guys complained about Savannah pretending to be a wise one and none of the other wise ones doing anything to put her in her place. However, that is exactly how someone who is training to become a wise one does it. We learned that later from Avienda. I'm not sure if someone told Savannah that's how it's done or if she's just a jerk and she accidentally stumbled upon it, but that is one major flaw with the wise one's hierarchy that came back to bite them in the butt. So otherwise, that explains why the other wise ones are not saying, fuck you, Savannah, you're not a wise one. You haven't been to Ruidian. You haven't gone through the tests. Like one of the final steps of becoming a wise one is literally just acting like one. Mm. <laughs> Fake okay. it till you make it. <laughs> literally, yes. <laughs> Sweet. Um... We talked about what would Matt even do to stop Avienda if she was going to kill Elaine, you know, like we were laughing about how Matt is going to run after and what, like stop her physically. But Jacob wanted to, um, he says, while I don't want to rain on the Aiel parade, Matt did kill Kuladin and gained great G in the eye of all Aiel. I think he would surprise us. Like, that's true. Yeah. He would, he, he, and he's also <laughs> incredibly lucky, you know, <laughs> he'd probably end up mm. winning the fight just by sheer fluke. But um, I think the part that I was sort of uh, resisting, just accepting, is that he would run her down. You know, like if he had to run after her, who was going to win in a foot race? And I still hold that Avienda would leave him in the dust. Yeah, she would just lift those skirts and chew. She's, she's out. What do you mean? She's got a wicked advantage, like long legs. I mean, these heels are at least oh, a foot and a half taller tall. than most people. Like this, um, this entire stretch, she's leading her horse. <laughs> she's yeah. never yes. got on her horse once. <laughs> Keeping <laughs> yes. up with everyone, no worries. While and, pulling a horse behind her. And Adelaide and Vandina are like worried about it. But she's just like, no, this yeah. is nothing. In fact, you're holding me back. <laughs> <laughs> And then the last thing Jacob said is also in terms of all the individuals that appeared at the Black Tower that were still sane, it is commented how ridiculous the tower was able to recruit men. I think so many of them were being spun out of the pattern because Rand needed them. Oh, this is Jacob obviously saying how many of them Uh, there are. Um, Rand is the strongest Tavern, maybe even ever. Um, So while it is a cheap explanation, it would, uh, you would absolutely believe that's why so many people showed up to be trained at the tower. Um, I, I think my, that is certainly a valid point. I mean, I think we've mentioned Rand and like uh, all the girls, you know, like Bode and all the girls in the two rivers being like suddenly able to chat, not suddenly, but mm. like there being a lot of people that can channel from the two rivers is probably a product of Rand being there and, you know, the pattern needing them yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, but I think, our, well, at least what I was scratching my head about is like how so many men that can channel would live to an old age or past their early 20s when, you know, the power starts manifesting and people sometimes channel without um, without realizing it, setting off the events that we saw Rand go through, right? When he channeled that lightning um, in that inn at Four Kings or whatever that place was, uh, yeah. he got massive channeling sickness and stuff, right? Like he, he got pretty fucked up. And that's it for callbacks and listener contributions. So without any further ado, we can move straight along to... Previously on Blood and Ashes. <sighs> Egwene is introduced to Margidian and her silver jewellery and takes charge of the Forsaken immediately, putting the fear of the Amelin in her by instantly grasping and creating a gateway. She also immediately begins her game of houses by sending her worker bees to start working on the various factions within Saladar. Matt and the band of the Red Hand arrive at Saladar and Matt immediately starts pissing people off by being himself, but learns that Egwene has become Amelin and Elaine has no intention of just following him to Camelin as Rand had instructed. Nynaeve kicks Matt during a tense meeting and Matt threatens her wordlessly until Egwene intervenes. When it becomes clear the women have no intention of listening to Matt, he leaves and the women start planning what to do with him. 
They end up deciding you should accompany Elaine and Nynaeve to uh, Ibudar. Matt catches up with Tom and gives him the letter from Moraine, which immediately sends Tom into a melancholic mood. Tom suggests to Matt that maybe the best way to get Elaine to do what he and Rand wants is maybe to help them in their own goals first. Elaine has a brief interaction with Begita to let her know they're going to Ibudar and then finds Avienda being harangued by a bunch of Aes Sedai, promptly pulls her out of that fiasco to go talk to her in the privacy of their room, where Avienda comes clean about betting Rand and offers Elaine the opportunity to either beat her with a stick or cut her throat. Elaine begrudgingly absolves her of any toe and casually mentions the third woman in Rand's life, Min. Avienda mentions to Elaine that there's a way they can both or all three be with Rand, but they would need to become first sisters first. Min finally arrives in Camden and immediately heads to the palace to seek out Rand. When they meet, Rand is overjoyed but completely misinterprets Min's intentions and bungles the conversation completely. Min resolves to make Rand see her as a woman and more than that to have him fall in love with her, but Min also offers her services and unique talents to aid Rand going forward. First, Sulin arrives and is shocked by Min sitting on Rand's lap, and later, Melaine arrives with a similar amount of disdain for this interloper, but Min quickly tells Melaine she's going to have twins, and Melaine is shocked since they, she only found out that morning that she was pregnant. After this, Min and Melaine talk for a while and seem to get along like a house on fire, with Melaine proclaiming she's going to name one of her twins after Min. Rand is confused. He offers to take Min to the farm full of male channelers, and she declines awkwardly. After she leaves Rand... Uh, he travels there and he finds out the men have started calling the farm the Black Tower. It has grown considerably with more than 100 men using Sidin to perform all manner of tasks while some learn hand-to-hand combat and sword fighting from the trainers Rand had instituted. Rand tells the men they will be known henceforth as Ashaman, which in the old tongue means guardian. He names the ranking system, namely soldier, dedicated and Ashaman, with the sword and dragon pins that show those ranks. He pins them on Taim in front of all the men, but Taim seems pissed when Rand takes him aside to make um, it clear that Taim is not to go near the Aes Sedai that have congregated in Camelin, and that he still in fact needs to stay well clear of the city. And that brings us to today's first chapter, which is chapter 43, called The Crown of Roses. Please elaborate on this rosy scene, Jody. Spoilers, it's an inn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as well as a crown for mm-hmm. Camelin. Yes. Um, hmm. We said with much, without much further ado, there is a do. There's no voice notes. Nobody left us a voice note. No. Kerry left me a voice note berating me for not mentioning the fact that Matt wasn't there to receive Tom's letter, but I, I didn't think that we had said anything else. So, Oh, please download those voice notes. I'd love to hear you getting berated. <laughs> By Kerry. There's, the, there's a bunch. By Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> yes. The Crown of Roses, chapter 43. So, oh, this chapter. Anyway, um, we got a bunch of Aes Sedai. All the Aes Sedai that came with men. So we got Mirana. Um, in a coach with Min. Everybody seems to be uh, chilling on their way. We've got Sienad and we've got Missouri. And they're all dressed in their Aes Sedai colors. Uh, very, very formal. Um, they're coming back from a meeting with Rand. It happened off screen. So we don't actually get to see this. I think we're getting enough meetings with between Aes Sedai and Rand now that this one just doesn't really matter. But Marana does admit to herself uh, in her inner monologue here that during the meeting with Rand, her knees were turned to water uh, yeah. with fear. I was like, yeah, damn, Skippy. Jelly legs. The dragon reborn. Jelly legs. So, yeah, they all come in there expecting uh, a shepherd. And, um, yeah, they are unpleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. So they arrive back at their inn. Namely, the crown of roses, where Min quickly excuses herself, uh, saying she wants to go see more of Camelin, and she buggers off. The uh, innkeeper appears, 
and Marana says that uh, they want to have a meeting in one of the private sitting rooms and she as she motions for Alana and Varen to to come with her it's a bit of con- there's a bit of um weirdness here between Alana mm. and Varen and this group because they are not officially part of what's happening but they are so strong in the power that they could actually take over at any moment so there's like a this whole chapter is just Aes Sedai maneuverings but power dynamics power dynamics and maneuverings as well we'll get to mm. that so um so they um well they were going to this meeting and they see uh, alana and Varen there and they can't not invite them so they get invited out of you know respect into this this secret meeting so we uh, enter the room and Marana begins to to speak about uh, to speak to Alana first, and this is Alana's all weird during this entire process. She's been crying, and everybody notices it, but she gets better throughout the chapter. They talk about bonding Rand against his will, but they're like, "Listen, you know, I would have done the same thing <laughs> if I were in your place." Like everybody's like thinking it's maybe not the best idea, but they can't blame her for doing it. Um, Varen breaks in a lot in this conversation, uh, asking whether he had set any more restrictions you know like what did he say during in this meeting like give us some of the details um but she believes it's all going to be all right apparently there's no more restrictions they're, they're not allowed to you know like no more than three at a time they're not allowed in the inner city all those things all those remain marana begins to to think in terms of a hierarchy at this point because um Varen is breaking in quite a bit um alana and Varen not being part of their official delegation of course they don't also they also don't know if they can trust them and mm. <laughs> rightly so for Varen's case at least mm-hmm. um uh, but Varen does stand higher than Marana like in terms of the power Verana and Alana Marana and Alana are basically the same but Marana's been like Aes Sedai for like 30 years or something before mm. Alana was even born so that we go into this whole like hierarchy thing inside of her mind as to yeah. exactly how the, how this would all work. None of it makes any sense. It's kind of like I, I stuff. Um, but you know, Marana has to say like, to like remind herself though, like, look, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. <laughs> just, just get that in your head. Um, uh, there's only one new restriction. I did forget to mention that you've got to stay away from the black tower. All right. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody wants wants to to take uh, responsibility for what will happen if a bunch of Aes Sedai show up there. Rand didn't think he would have to say that out loud, but yes, (laughs) no, he's told them explicitly. But yes. All right. No, you you know, it's a lot of times you think you shouldn't say something, it goes without saying, but just say it, just in case. As a parent, you know. So the Aes Sedai, yes, (laughs) indeed. And even if you do say it, it doesn't matter anyway. No, it's 50-50. No. (laughs) My odds are worse than that. See, the thing that I always worry about is... If I mm-hmm. say something, do I alert him? the seed. Did I, did I plant the seed? <laughs> Whereas you can just sometimes, yes. I could just be quiet. Maybe they won't, maybe he, particularly he. No, uh, no, both of them. He, they, they yeah. will notice or won't they? Maybe <laughs> just like, phew, dodge the bullet over yeah. there. Yeah. It's kind of like um, um, the Matrix. You know, what's really going to bake your noodle later on is would it still have happened if I hadn't said anything? You yeah. know, that that situation. <laughs> yeah. By saying something, do I invoke it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you'll never know, Philly. That's just the, the wonders of parenthood. Mm-hmm. Just say what you want and hope for the best. <laughs> um, where was I? Yes, I said I, of course. Uh, yeah, they all agree at the end anyway because they're talking about Alana and bonding and they're like, okay, we, we don't think you've ruined everything. That we can still slowly but surely influence him and, you know, get an Aes Sedai next to him and 
like they want to take the place of Moraine. They're figuring out how they're going to be able to do that. Moraine's gone. Alana's bonded him, but <laughs> against his will. So there's still a bit of uh, a gray they, area. There, they did use the out. rape word. Yes, <laughs> yes they did. <laughs> the rape word. Yes, that's the word. Um, Way to dance so they around want it. To bring him- <laughs> so ambiguous so they're just trying to figure out how they're going to control rand so they're the same as any other ice star no surprises there Mm -hmm. um but they have heard um about other delegations from kyrian that have that have come to them and they've got people out there talking to all the nobles because they've got some plans of their own all right so we go to dylan her point of view she is with an ice Sedai, uh kyrian i'm going to pronounce it um, and she is assuring Dylan that it is quite possible, you know, that Elaine will have the throne of Andor still. And they're talking about, you know, Elaine coming back and taking the throne because we know that Dylan is uh, on Elaine's side, right? right. As yeah. far as I can recall. Yeah. And, yeah. and K- K- Karen, Karen Stang, she's part of the embassy. Yes, because this is the embassy that's been yeah. sent now. Like, Marana has sent them all out to yes. go and talk to all these nobles because all these nobles are in, are in town. The yes. good nobles, the bad nobles. Yeah. And they all got their little Aes Sedai going to manipulate them to try and figure out. So now we go to um, Lord Luan's point of view. And he is with Rafaela. And she's asking him whether Andor will not be better if Rand leaves the nation in peace and unity. And they're talking about all unity and division and peace better than war and patience better than death. So it's all... You know, it's not particularly important at this stage. And no. uh, then we pop over to Elorian's point of view. And the lady Elorian uh, is speaking with Demira Sedai um, about who. And, and Demira wants to know, so who's going to have the Lion Throne then? And <laughs> the most Aes Sedai answer of all, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. Like nobody's showing their cards at this point. But basically, this chapter is about the Aes Sedai that came from Saladar that are... You know, having their interpolitics going on with mm. with Alana, with Alana, yes, and Varen, mm-hmm. and then the others that are trying to influence the nobles and get some on their side, and just figure out who's standing with who and who's going to come in and take the throne and all that kind of stuff. But nothing is decided at the end, and that's basically how this chapter ends. It's only like fifteen minutes. This chapter, yeah, <laughs> audiobook. <laughs> Audiobook. No, not audiobook. Audiobook would have been 45 minutes. That's why I don't listen to them. I mean, on the Kindle, it tells you how long it's going to take. Uh, okay. Yeah, problem with this uh, these chapters, and it's not so much yeah. the content, or because if I didn't know the outcome of the story, and then you'd go through because okay, cool, maybe these are interesting people that I've got to remember. Okay, cool, the I said I do play a role, and they all get put mm-hmm. into line and all of that, but it's just tedious because they all think they're going to control him. Like we all know that it's not going to happen. They've got their little <laughs> their little scheme of control and basically likening what will happen to him by Alana to being raped and still how they're going to control him after that now as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind yeah. of like it's a little bit disgusting. By the end of this book, they swear yeah. fealty to him? Mm, <laughs> yeah, they they're on their knees <laughs> in the dirt. <laughs> in a couple <laughs> chapters time, yeah. Yeah, so much for their plans. Yeah, no, really, uh, now that you, we know the, the outcome of this, it is exceptionally tedious it's all moot Um, yeah but yeah Mm. it's like there's two things the hierarchy we learn about the hierarchy of Aes Sedai Mm -hmm. like how long were you novices how long when were you raised how long have you been an Aes Sedai when were you born yeah there's like there's like a whole degree triage sort of like hierarchy that you work your way down okay who's strongest in the power same in the power okay cool 
Who was ben. accepted the shortest? Oh, same. Okay, who was novice the shortest? Oh, the same. Okay, who's oldest? Okay, got it. Yeah. Or who's been Isodai yeah, the longest? Is, I think is one of them as well. Just like a little, imagine a little flow, flow chart. chart yes, exactly. if, if equal, then <laughs> yes, if then Boolean gates. <laughs> yeah. So but we learned that, and then also we know that the Isodai are meeting with the nobles, trying to yeah make plans. I don't know what their plans are. But I think the reason. Or the mechanism by which, maybe not the reason, but the mechanism by which we we f- figure out or we learn about these um, these considerations for who's in charge um, is cool that it's coming from Mirana, who is a grey mm. and a diplomat and a negotiator, right? So she yeah. is listing off all these conditions in her head because of her sort of negotiating um skills and uh, talents like how how she wants to set up advantages in a negotiation in this case the negotiation of who is leading um the the embassy who's who's in charge here because she rattles off a couple things as well that are not related to Aes Sedai um hierarchies or, or tiering right like um the fact that Alana feels some shame because of the fact that she bonded Rand without permission that puts Alana on a little bit of a back foot. So uh, Mirana feels like, okay, cool. She's got advantage over Alana. She makes them stand when they're sitting, like that sort of stuff. You know, like there's all these little micro techniques that she uses that she would have in a negotiation as well. So that's why we're getting this like extremely intricate um, sort of laying out of all the conditions that play into your, basically your bargaining position for maintaining control of this thing i think in a, one of the later chapters she's sort of she's given up and Varen has taken over mm. yeah isn't it in this chapter that's where you realize in this chapter she realizes that if Varen wanted to take over she would she would have to let her i think it's still i think that situation is still no, coming still i think yeah, she now, is yeah. still i have read ahead so yeah when marana is referring to Varen and alana in the inn after they've arrived there she's being really, really skittish about them. She's saying like she'd prefer that they wait in the kitchens. And then also when they're on the stairs, she sort of motions sharply for them to follow her up the stairs. And they sort of like rush up the stairs. What is she so skittish? I mean, is it that she doesn't want people to know that she's associating with the other Aes Don't people already know this inn is like rotten with Aes Like it's rife with them. There's a bunch of them there. Why is she like so yeah. skittish about two more Aes being there? I don't know. Um, why she wanted them to wait in the kitchen. Like, I mean, what Aes is going to wait in the kitchen in an inn full of Aes Like the total number? I mean, are they conscious of the number? Well, maybe they don't want to be over 13 for the fear that might not happen. Have we read anything about the Aes acknowledging that 13 Aes is a significant number? Or is it always coming from Rand? I think they we are aware read, that it's a think. circle. I mean, it's... That is just the mechanics of how things are done. So, look, if they're so aware of like who's hierarchy and they know, I mean, I said I know everything. Mm. I'm sure they were aware. Mm. But they don't. We don't have to see it written, but I think they, that they know. So the skittishness here is that there could be word could get out that there are actually eleven Isodai mm. in this inn and not nine. Still not thirteen. No, for until it's thirteen. Hmm. Or maybe it's that they've 
publicly stated they are a delegation of nine. Don't worry, Rand. We are nine. We are putting all our cards on the table. Don't get scared. And suddenly two more are added to that number and they would be seen as being disingenuous about the number Which of Which is also kind have. of a mood point to Possibly. extrapolate it so far because Rand knows Varen is there. Rand knows. But does Alana know that Rand knows? Of course, because Alana bonded him. So Dilla. Oh, sorry, Mirana, not Dilana. Or Alana Mirana. <laughs> sorry, too many Lana venting names now. It's from her. It's from her point of view. Anyway, I just thought like she was being sort of weird about wanting Alana and Varen to wait in the kitchen. Mm. The fuck for? Anyway, yeah, and like I said, this was just we tedious dwell. reading. It's... <laughs> yeah, I want to. We're unpick... spending a lot of time on something tedious. Well, I want to unpick like you know what are her motivations or what are her fears? Like why is she acting in this way? Why was this said to us? What is what is Robert Jordan trying to? you know, convey to us by her acting in this way. Anyway. Um, lots of mention of, you know, Alana again, like her hands are physically quivering at times. Like she is in real rough shape. I mean, if you think about how stoic the Aes Sedai generally are, like for her to physically manifest mm. those signs of being frayed, it's, it's pretty rough. Uh, and then on the flip side, more reminders of just like people know, at least Marana does, uh, that Varen is not as sort of dotty and uh, spacey mm-hmm. as she as she puts out. A lot of talk about her eyes being bird-like and sort of like focused and sharp. And like, she knows she's got a smudge of ink on her nose again. I wonder if like Varen prepares for the day and the last thing she does is like rub some ink on her nose <laughs> yes. and yes. spill like some on her dress. The, the maester Pycelle, you know, who gets like into character <laughs> before leaving the room. Yes. <laughs> Kicks the whores out of the room and then does his stretches. <laughs> <laughs> she probably gets a makeup on, a little bit of rouge, and then a smudge on the nose, and off I go. Just the finishing yeah, touch. Yeah, but uh, Marana says her eyes are disconcerting, is yes. the word that she yes. used. She's yeah. right to be wary of Varen, and I think she's onto Varen's oh, sort yeah. of um, threat, the threat that Varen poses to her. Um, then what else? I thought it was funny that they assumed the spear in Rand's hand must be an Aiel thing. When you think of it, of course, mm. they would think that the Aiel fight with spears. Oh, they all carry spears. It must be an Aiel thing. Couldn't be further from the truth. Um, Alana mentions here that if she had to dwell on Rand's wound, it would make her want to weep. So, mm. Vili, I think you said in a previous episode, like, Alana's bonded to Rand and he's feeling all these things at the same time. Like, Alana must be a, a fucking puddle you know like she must be absolutely wrecked but yeah she's saying like she can sort of tune it out if she had to focus on it that is exactly what would happen and she can't believe that he's just cruising around with it she's yeah not to mention that the the death of her warders are still fresh Mm -hmm. order i think was only one Mm -hmm. um then she's with him and like and now min is with rand as well she's feeling all of that Mm -hmm. weirdness going on yes (laughs) yeah no wonder Um, she's crying I thought it was funny that the that the I said I think it was um, Rand bluffing about knowing when they can channel. They almost wanted to channel just to show him that he doesn't. Mm. Ooh, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't test him. Bad idea. Uh, and they mention a um, an Aiel that uh, a sun haired Aiel who at least was wearing skirts made no attempt to hide her dislike. That was Malane, right? <laughs> no, no, isn't it? That was um, who was wearing skirts, wasn't? I thought they were referring to, to Sulin. They wouldn't necessarily know for a fact that Sulin is Aiel because she's wearing palace livery. I think she was talking about when, yeah. specifically, I think Sunhead has been a, um, ah, a description okay, they've used for Malay. Yeah, Sulin is, is white haired. Right? Yes, yes. 
Yeah, okay. Snowhead, not Sunhead. <laughs> <Okay>, Moonhead? Um, <laughs> I got you. Yes, he is no longer a shepherd and Moraine has taught him well. And just what a fantastic teacher Moraine ended up being for Rand. Hey? Like, not just the fact that she's Aes Sedai and she knows about all like what the tower politics and what the Aes Sedai are going to do, but that she's also a noble so she can teach him how to act around nobles. And then more than that, a Kyrenian noble and a master at Dice Day Mars so she can teach him how to play the game of houses. Um, thank you, Patton and Rand being a Taverin for pulling like the perfect Aes Sedai to coach him towards him. Um just exactly. makes me just miss her. I miss Moraine. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just thinking now that like, maybe it's a good thing. Excuse what I'm going to say that she has disappeared and died apparently uh-huh. because Rand would be too OP if she like stayed with him the entire time. <laughs> this book would be finished by book seven. Probably true. Everything resolved. Yeah. Because <laughs> you've got to let Rand go on his own and have like a mini break, well, a major breakdown and mm. turn to the dark almost and then be yeah. redeemed. You've got to have that whole arc. Yeah. And if Moraine were, was around, I don't know if he would. She would she would sort him right out. Yeah. Moraine would have killed her. Um, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Not. So I was just saying, well, for whatever reason, it's good that she's not there at the moment. Yeah. The pattern had her wink out. No matter that a, a flame gets ignited again. So it, mm. it would have winked out somewhere else. And maybe well, she's a not dead. So it hasn't winked out. Gateway. She's just on the bench. She's yeah, just in the, she's on the bench, but Rand could have done that. He could have chucked him her uh, into what's a Toadland, where he met Celine for the first time. <laughs> the Grom. Toadland. <laughs> or the Golem. No, not the Golem. <laughs> As Billy would the say. Toadland. The Grom. Grom. So you got a Toad in the box. <laughs> I heard that the other day. Oh, good. Classic stuff. Um, then my last question was. I was a little bit confused about the meeting with Elorian. Um, I think it doesn't matter who the Aes Sedai was that was talking to her, but like, why were they playing coy about like who would take the throne? Are they trying to plant the seed in Elorian's head that she can take the throne? Because she does try for it, yes. doesn't she? Yeah, of course they are. They're trying to play everybody against everybody and see mm. who wins. And uh, That's and so... Then they're connected to whoever wins. That's so doesn't matter which side unnecessarily conniving. Like, mm. wouldn't it be best for them to have Elaine take the throne and be an Aes Sedai in charge of Andor? Like, no, but then you haven't maybe. covered all your. Then you weren't best Benny Jesuit enough. Got to cover all your bases. Yeah. I guess. I guess. So, yeah. A lot of That's Dune references saying, coming are. coming out today. Was there? No, there was just no. I think you're talking about. Isn't there an image I shared earlier that that's what I mean? Are not aware of. Okay, yes, yes. but our listeners don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Just for us, this is just for the three of us. (laughs) Okay. Um, Inside jokes. Anything else, Will, on that chapter? No, I want to move on to better chapters. (laughs) You're shocked that I had that much to ask about it in the first place. Yeah, like why is why we're still talking about 45 minutes into this? Come on. Okay, okay. Let me put you out of your misery and move along then to chapter 44 called The Color of Trust. I trust you can handle this one, Avil. I sure can. Uh, The Color of Trust is red, by the way. (laughs) That's my... In the shape of a hand. No, in the shape of puddle of blood. Um, (laughs) Okay, serious note. Matt's point of view, he's in Salidar and... um, he needs to claim something, so Matt decided and instructed his bannermen to claim the stables. Uh, 
So his his uh, banners are hanging outside the stables, and it's also his room. Matt will be sleeping there a bit, it seems. Um, Matt is, after being kicked out by uh, the girls, he has basically been abandoned by anyone that's supposed to be an acquaintance or a friend in this town. And he's left to just sort of fend for himself. So he does what is best and tries to find a party uh, because we are still feasting and Mm. having the 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 lifting of the Amarillan party is still very much in high high <laughs> spirits. Kickstand man is it's still a month, is it? it? Yeah, kickstand man is still swinging those kegs around, um, and <laughs> he's still on his hands. He hasn't gotten down yet. <laughs> chugging it. Um, so Matt goes for a bit of a dance. <laughs> uh, he sees there's way too many eyes to die around, but it's a nice looking girl. Then uh, asks him quite a few questions, dance with him, but didn't quite enjoy dancing with her that much because uh, she kept taking the lead. <laughs> know, Gosh, so Matt, good. I wonder why. <laughs> okay. Um, and with that, while Matt is at this dance uh, party where none of his friends are present at all, uh, his fox head goes ice cold. And he then glares at Halima, whom uh, obviously cannot channel um, side uh, side off. Uh, then there's a lot of reference to a poem about trust. Uh, I, I trust you read the poem, um, and the mm-hmm. title of it and the words have changed over time. Um, then they uh, are singing, apparently in one of Matt's past lives or in his. His uh, memories of past lives. He was the songwriter of one of the songs that was also playing in this uh, dance party that's going down in Salida. Now he gets cornered by Morel, uh, who tries to butter him up, um, which he just stuck. No thanks, not interested in being a warder. Uh, it turns out that everyone wants Taviran for a warder, so. Matt is mm-hmm. uh, constantly batting off Aes Sedai, uh, like someone swatting mozzies in the swamps. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt decides to dance with a pretty, pretty blue-eyed girl standing across the tower, uh, some young woman, uh, but it turns out to be Swan. As he tries to uh, mm-hmm. chatter up, she uh, drops the, the reality on him and uh, how she said that he should maybe go and find someone else to dance with. But Liana is uh, quite keen to step in with her Demani ways. And uh, she swings Matt around the dance floor and then kisses him more deeply he's ever been kissed. I mean, at that moment, <laughs> when that kiss drop, his toes curled over, like like backwards, <laughs> like in the cartoons. Anyway, <laughs> Matt then at... That decides, you know, stuff this. Too many Aes Sedai rings around. And he goes uh, to go to bed. In the stables, this saddle as a pillow. Only to wake up to find Vannon has returned. Um, and Matt's real warder has also made his way into the camp overnight. In the shape of young Olva. Uh, who is convinced still that Avienda is going to knife him. Therefore, he has to be there to watch his back because uh, there's not enough people around there to watch backs. 
Uh, Matt has now through all of this, obviously through uh, seeing Swan and realizing that she is the real Swan and Liana that uh, their story of healing um, and that Nynaeve did it, which was also uh, quite a big shock for Matt. Uh, now the days drag on, they're really making him sit and sweat. Uh, he's uh, Emerlin Seat and her ladies. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, Matt gets summoned to go and see Gwen. Uh, it's Gwen, Nynaeve, Elaine, and Avienda in the room, uh, and basically gets handed a choice: uh, bugger off or go to Ibadal, <laughs> because that's the options available. But his buggering off doesn't mean that he gets to take anyone or anything with him. It's quite simply you're gonna fail in your quest of whatever Rand is that sent to bring Elaine back. So he is uh, very much between a rock and a hard place there. And this drags out to a third day. Um, Matt has now finally been able to communicate again with the band. So he's got Tilmanis, which is riding in and out. They set up band, band camp police to keep everyone in, <laughs> in, in line and in check. I love band camp. Um, and uh, Nelissian has been matt has now made his decision okay cool i'll probably going to do this and he uh he gets an elysian to come with him because he's got knowledge of ibodar and we've got this this ragtag team ragtag team that got put together now that's going to be heading out mm -hmm. including of course alva is in the party there's no way you can uh, get rid of him if he's going to leave him behind he's going to follow like a dog half an hour later so just might as well plan him in there. Um, and of course, that would be uh, hard considering they're going through a gateway. Yeah, that is true. I didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Oliver is a determined boy, so he might just ride and get there very, very late. Yeah, he knows up. they're going to Ibuda. Mm. All right, so uh, for Nynaeve's um, in, sort of in charge of their little faction, which is Nynaeve Lane, Van Deen and Adelaus that will be accompanying them. Of course, uh, Van Deen's Warder, um, whose name I was supposed to write down and never got in there because they just call him Warder. And of course, the second Warder that is with is um, Begit, who mm -hmm. Matt is still very sus about, like this hunter for the horn with the same name, carrying a bow. Like it's all just too sus. Um, and of course, Tom and Julian, uh, who have now finally been allowed to speak to Matt and both really <laughs> sheepishly apologizing for the fact that they have been away or here hiding from him under instruction of their mm. masters, it would seem. Oh, sorry, uh, not even Elaine, as uh, some would call You're them. You're not wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom uh, talks about Aludra and goes down this whole side story about friends and enemies but mass matt misses the point completely cracks a joke about what about a, instead of a friend of an enemy for her to be a lover and thinks about the fireworks that he got from her that's typical matt <laughs> love it well tom says that you never know with a, a woman whether she could be a friend an enemy or even a lover when until it's too late take for example eludra when we met her again on her travels, she wasn't a friend. She wanted to she wanted to not know anything about them. And I'd forgotten that they had actually met before and then met again. Is it in Van and Luca's circus? 
Yes. Like where did where did Tom meet Aludra again? And then Matt goes, Oh, Aludra, yeah, I'll take her for a lover. And I think he flirts with her quite extensively mm-hmm. when they do travel together later. Uh, but oh, yeah, yeah, that is does. just Matt. Oh, yeah, there's Matt. a whole Matt and Aludra section still coming. I'm actually quite looking Aludra is not interested. <laughs> <laughs> she does not. Nope. All right, so to carry on, we were there. Matt is just trying to think how long the side quest of theirs is going to be now. As a quick hop and a jump to Ebo Dar, really in and out, pick up some cutlery mm-hmm. and, and crockery and get out of there. Um, thinking 10 days, and Tom's like, no, probably going to be riding three days there and three days back. And Matt's quite unhappy with this. It's like, this is not mm-hmm. the part of the timeline that I had in mind. Like, this is not cool. Um, Egwene then uh, comes to see all of them all. Uh, there's a little pipe up and I can't remember the exact comment, but the two rivers people are really looking out for each other. Like they'll give mm-hmm. each other a lot of flack, but don't let anyone else say anything. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of mad thinking about these women are not going to control Egwene. Like, no, it's everyone better watch out. Matt says when they're walking out of Saladar to meet them, uh, Egwene looks like she might as well be alone. She looks alone. Mm. So what he does is he goes over to her and he makes a big show of showing her respect and everything. And Egwene whispers to him, thanks, Matt. Mm. You know, like it's a real tender little moment. Because Matt thinks to himself, these people can't treat a two rivers woman like that. This is bullshit. I'll show them. And then he goes over <laughs> and he makes exactly. a show about it. <laughs> so yes, Matt does all that pleasant tryst. And uh, but thank you, Matt, as you said, Mo. Uh, comes up in there afterwards. Um, Matt is asked to stay out of trouble, which is a trigger for him. He's kind of, <laughs> and I think this is a part of that build up trigger that warning. we're going to see of the girls really treating Matt as a second class citizen almost. Um, when have they not? Well, yeah, they have never recognized him, but we're going to see that now be sort of amped up to this breakthrough of recognition. And no, it comes later with that. Eventually they apologize. Yeah, eventually they do apologize and all of that. Um, but yes, it's gateway opens. And it's gateway. It's uh, Matt is not quite pleased at the size of the gateway that has been uh, made for them. So he tells everyone to dismount because we'll have to lead the horses through. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is quite what funny. he does is he, he tells the men to mount up. And the girls confer and create the gateway, and it's too short for them. And he's like, okay, dismount. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they did it on purpose. I mean, this is oh, Elaine but- making it, right? Like, one of the top mm. three female channelers in the world can't make a gateway tall enough. And it's mentioned that they talk together, like, quietly mm. before making the gateway. And it's after Matt has told the men to mount. Out of this whole... Just everything's like, a power play. Well, up, Matt. Look, let's... Yeah. Um, to what end guys come on he's an ally he's an ally but just jealousy i suppose like he got an army he just gets everything falling in his lab gold ladies they have a big army <laughs> he's i don't think they're jealous cool. of him <laughs> he's so <laughs> handsome so handsome <laughs> he had the golden dagger the, the ruby ones <laughs> um well, yeah. okay there was some jealous of that one yeah there was some horse talk during that period of time, I always note horse talk. Matt uh, uh-huh. will always bring a little bit of a horse talk. Um, it's great. And they are southward bound. 
and then we jump to a quick uh, Egwene uh, point of reference. Um, and just really saying that she sees Talmani setting out and saying like, who that guy's trouble. Um, and uh, pretty much gets instructed that get horses, let's get moving. We got to catch up with Gareth Bryn. And that's the end of that chapter. Okay. And off we go. Joseph, anything you want yeah. to call out there? No, I'm going to call out more of the, it's the, the, um, the anti-mat sentiment carrying on by these women, but there's more of that coming. Oh, I don't that's, want to start now. It's <laughs> going to be like we're going to go through what we'll I have. There. What I've picked up is that there's always this one saw point. It's kind of like one bed saw in the story, and that bed mm. saw changes like book sometimes a volume and a half over a volume and a half. Like at first mm. we had apple carts. And we we sat <laughs> through that sore point <laughs> <laughs> for like a couple of chapters. That was then it. <laughs> then we've got it's not fair, Egwene. It's not fair. Mm. Oh, then we're going to naive power trippy. Um, mm. So I mean, we always have this sore point, and I think this is going to be our scab that we're going to have for a while now. Matt being mm. abused and used. Quite deliberately mm -hmm. by everyone around him in this this Ibodar, mm -hmm. because this goes all the way to the end of the next book, nearly when there's the big showdown. I mean, in Ibodar, eventually he becomes a sex slave. Yes, yes, <laughs> very much. Yeah. I've I've just finished all of that, so it's uh, it's it's kind of me preempting us all for we're going to have a mm. lot of mat beating over the next. Next I'm interested to read that section. A lot of people online have very vocal opinions mm. about that and have gone very hard into the paint <laughs> to like commenting on what they think of Robert Jordan because of those chapters. So we'll get there. We'll get but there. I'm looking at mm. them with um, uh, more mature eyes than I did when I was reading You're this in high school. Looking through the holy text with the glasses on, the glasses of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Stroking my beard and uh, writing my spectacles that I do not own. Moving your grey hair from your face. Lucky you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Okay, so without hanging on the, the Matt abuse, um, I did enjoy... I mean, Matt asks for it, right? When he takes over the stables, he hangs the, the banners on the outside, expecting there to be like a request to have them taken down or something. It's just mm. him being confronting and being met like okay cool let's see what happens when i hang this dragon banner outside the stable um but nothing does people sort of point and stare but they don't um they don't ever actually ask him to take it down yeah but look you hanging banners and then physically going after somebody is two different things like matt's i'm staying here these are my banners <laughs> I'm sure it's provocative <laughs> I know. on purpose. I'm, I'm not He's drawing not a line between the two at way. all. I'm, not, I'm yeah. not doing that at all. I'm just, I'm, like, I'm just defending Matt. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, completely like Matt did that and he was upset that it didn't ruffle feathers. I know. But the He's whole to time, the thing that I couldn't get out of my head was, is that the blue barn? Is it the one that they spent the paint on to paint blue back a few, few chapters ago? No, that's at the White Tower. Oh, is that at the White Tower? Oh, shit. I thought it was at this tower. <laughs> no, no. Oh, man. No. Damn it. The, the, white, the white and blue tower. Now, what else? Uh, okay, cool. Confirmed here. The medallion does prevent flows of Sidin as well as Sidar. 
Halima tries to channel yes. at him and uh, is shocked to see that it has no effect. Yes, suck a dick, Halima. So um, okay, so because that went over my head. So Halima, yeah, who is Asangar, who spelled Tamil. Mm. Yes, yes, ding, I got ding, it. Ding, full um, marks. Channeled at Matt. Mm-hmm. As it and tests. Matt catches a glimpse oh. of her looking at him and looking. she's got shock on her face. Mm. But I was just at that moment, I was like, didn't even think to me that the medallion would stop Sidine. Well, like I wanted to wait. We didn't know. We've never seen. Oh, okay. Age of Legend, I Sedai was men and woman. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. asking those freaks that would have said, okay, cool, I Sedai is not just woman. <laughs> those freaks, yeah. I don't think he asked to be free of Aes Sedai. I think he said he, he wants to be free of the one power. I think was his words. We'd have to call back on this. Ooh, Jody, that's yours. Ooh, that's yours. <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, shit. I'm going to start looking now. Otherwise, I'll never do it. Make a note. <laughs> Make a note now. <laughs> the, amount of times, on. <laughs> the amount of times I've asked you guys to do a callback and just got nothing and I had to do I it myself like anyway. It right away. It's like homework significance. <laughs> Um, I also have a note here. Of course, Birgitta is dancing with, as Matt puts it, a particularly lumpy-faced fellow. Mm-hmm. Loves, lo- loves an ugly dude. Um, and this is where Matt says, his hip still hurt. Now, I have kicked him in the hip. Okay. Mm. That's why I was limping and it's still sore. Nah, I've already found it. Hey! I don't have to call back. Amazing. As a result, Matt accidentally made three wishes. One, to have the holes in his memory filled. Two, to be free from the one power and Aes Sedai. So ah. And three, to be away from the elfin and return to Ruidian if they would not answer his questions. Okay. Well, there we Second go. Second one, one power and Aes Sedai. There we go. So he covered all his bases. Accidentally. Lucky Matt. Yeah. <laughs> That's his As thing. That, okay. Would that extend to the true power then? It's no. unknown. <gasps> it says one power. Well, and his wish die. is one power, and I said, I. So, probably it not. Doesn't cover true power. Mm-hmm. He does. He didn't even know the true power existed. So, no, none of them do at this point. No. Um, Will you sort of glossed over it, but Morel asks Matt to be his water, uh, be her be water. Water, yeah. That's um. Typical Morel loves a water. Already, you know, <laughs> yeah. got Lan. Lan would be heading over there at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. he is. How many books has Lan been missing for? When do we see him again? We <laughs> Gosh, see yeah. Lan Nine. in <laughs> about seven hundred pages. Okay, <laughs> all right. I actually remember that from reading it the first time as well. Like, oh, Lan is back! Wow, he's been missing yeah. for ages. Yeah, here he is. Yeah, he he took the long way round. He didn't take gateway. He took the nope. horse horse through the hills. Did a lot of lot of soul searching, a lot of processing of emotion. You know, just lost mm. his eyes to die. Um, Leanne kisses Matt again. Quote as thoroughly as he's ever been kissed. Mm-hmm. Like big old French kiss right in front of everybody. I know she's Damani, but she's also Isodai. So this Isodai is just kissing this man in front of everyone. (laughs) Who wants him as a She was also doing cake stands earlier. So, you know, inhibitions are out the window. Uh, She's, I mean, she has chosen the green Aja. She wants a water. And she uh, is uh, into Matt. Yeah. I don't think she asked him to be a water. 
No, and no, the, you're right. And the greens aren't necessarily promiscuous. And there are other Domani, Aes that don't just make out with people in public. Leanne's well, just... Yeah, I think she's overcorrecting. She's just like leaning into her stuff now for the first time in years that she's repressed. Yeah, she's been repressing shit for many, many years. Had the section in her life where she fully embraced it and realized, fuck, why have I been repressing this? And now mm. she's back to Aes and She's like, well, fuck it. I'm not going to pretend to be someone I'm not anymore. This mm. is who I am. Deal with it, everybody, at this party. I dig it. Good for you, Leanne. Go for you, it. Yeah, you be you, man. Mm-hmm. You do you. When Vannon mentions to Matt that he's seeing people like packing food into barrels and that sort of stuff, Matt thinks that this is these are signs of trouble, the worst sort of trouble. The worst sort of trouble short of finding a forsaken on the other side of the table from you and Trollocs, blah, blah, blah. Newsflash, Matt, you just danced just with one of the forsaken. One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, another note here, Avienda in a blue dress with lace. Hello. I don't remember her taking on the, the Wetlander fashion at all, but here it is. I think they dressed her, the Aes dressed her. <laughs> they kidnapped her for like days. <laughs> Put her in a blue dress. Um, then there's also mention here of Lopin, who's Nalesian's uh, manservant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we know Nerim obviously is Talmanis's manservant and Talmanis insists that yeah. Nerim has to go with Matt. If if Nalesian yeah. is going to be there, there needs to be Kyrenian representation as well. I can't just have the Terran. I'm pretty sure that Lopin also eventually becomes Matt's um, like manservant or something. I, I, I remember reading his name quite a lot um, at one point. In fact, yeah. isn't it because Nalesian dies in Ibudar? I think the golem kills him. And Lopin stays on with Matt. You don't say stuff like that to me. Pin, 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 pin. <laughs> um, okay. these, those two are just like the best. <laughs> those two manservants. <laughs> Nerim um, and Lopin. And Nerim and Lopin from now on. They are just like trying to outdo each other all the time. Oh, that's right. They're kind right. of buddies because they're, right. like, yeah. they're on the same, like they have yeah. the same kind of job. Um, there's only two of them, so they got to stick together. But they're always trying to outdo each other, yeah. and they got like they had to get all this food. It comes up in the chat. Yeah, it, it does. It's pretty comical. <laughs> it's, it's great. I love it. It's uh, and it's very yeah. Nerim's very dry. Like as my lord commands. He's Karenian. <laughs> of course, he is. Um, I like that Morel gives Matt permission to communicate with the band again. In the meantime, Vannon's been like up and down between the band and like delivering messages and stuff the whole yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, love that. There's, there's, there is stuff to be said about those waters. I mean, they're keeping ice, but Oliver got in there. Vannon is in and out. I mean, yeah, there's something to be said for Vannon's. That's I said I, you know, they think they control everything you do. They do. Then we have another Tom comment about Moraine. And another clue about his feelings for us. So that part that we spoke about earlier where he says, sometimes you don't know if a woman is a friend, an enemy, or a lover until it's too late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tom is obviously reflecting on, because it's it's after Matt mentions the letter. Like, what happened with that letter? Was yeah, it a yeah. woman that you had left behind or something? You know, like, and then he goes down this track. And then Tom tells this story, like, gives this example about Eludra and all that sort of stuff. And at this point, like, even as a first-time reader, you know that the letter Matt gave Tom is from Moiraine. And you are seeing Tom react the way he does when Matt gives it to him. And here talking about, like, you know, when they're talking about the lettering, oh, you don't have a woman's a friend or an enemy or a lover. So your assumption in the beginning is that Moiraine is um, Tom's enemy. But here he's introducing the concept of her being a friend or even a lover. And it's just like... 
the beauty of the rereads here, like every time I read something like this, I'm like, okay, yes. Yeah, so the, the Moraine Tom relationship doesn't just come out of thin air here. It is books in advance already, right? Like we saw their interaction in, in the stone of tear. We see it again here when Matt gives in the letter, we see it again when they talk about the letter. It's not out of nowhere. It's actually, if you were paying attention, it's right there in front of you. Um, which is cool. Like that was one of my biggest gripes originally when I read that revelation the first time. I also thought, like the vast majority of people out there, where the fuck did this come from? Come on, RJ. Like seriously, mm. this is unbelievable. And now on the reread, I'm like, oh, okay, no, yeah, it's here. It is right here in front of me. Because they remember when they were in the Stone of Tear and they were having those little meeting. Mm-hmm. You know how they they formed a connection there. Back in the day. So there were little moments. The things that happened in Tia that really got me is when Tom says that um, Moiraine often laughed at his jokes. Oh, that's a, that's a surefire sign. <laughs> when, when does Moiraine ever laugh at anything? Never. Never. Let alone jokes. So if, it, if it's plural as well, it happened more than once. So it's like, okay, yep. There, there's definitely something brewing there and it's very very subtle i mean admittedly it is extremely fucking subtle right. but yeah in these chapters like talking about the letter from Moraine, tom is having these reactions and these responses yes obviously he's got some kind of feelings and he's conflicted about it because he's talking about like is she an enemy or a friend and you could even tell in the interactions in the stone um, that he was also conflicted about it i like that matt thinks um when talking about women he says, I used to think that Rand knew, but Perrin definitely does. Like Rand is now no longer on the table. You know how they always go, oh, Rand and Perrin always knew how to talk to girls. But with all this stuff, like the woman that Rand is surrounding himself with, Matt is losing faith in Rand. He's like, I used to think that Rand knew, but Perrin definitely does. Forget Rand. He's fucking up big time. Yeah. And Perrin is the one that knows. Because yeah. he knows that he is not an Elaine fan at no. all. <laughs> no. no, or Avienda. No, I think he doesn't just know Avienda. He thinks she's just an Aiel and she's going to kill Elaine. Um, and he thinks think he that she's like, going to kill Rand. You know, like he's got serious trust issues with Aiel woman for yes, very Yes, he was just going reasons. to bring in like, yeah. let's just put it all into perspective of what mm-hmm. went down with his Aiel love. Yes. Yeah. Um, what else? Egwene says at the end of this thing, when we switch to her point of view, that Matt's band had served its first purpose. What, what was that? Drive everyone into gear. Yes. Light a fire under their isodized asses to get them to move. You can't sit here. It's like, look, one army just popped up on your doorstep. Hmm. Interesting. I thought it might also have something to do with um, Romanda and Lelaine because in that stanza, like that, that last section, Romanda says, okay, cool, let's get it. That's not the kind of man that you want to be anywhere near. And Lelaine agrees with her. And... That's the first time we've read about Romanda and Lelaine agreeing about anything. Like maybe as a common enemy, it makes them a bit stronger by, you know, unifying the Aes Sedai and their forces. Yeah. So, I mean, the, there's the big challenge for her to get the army moving, to get them moving on to Avalon. Like mm. this is you, the, this, and uh, who says it? Was it uh, Shiriam that says it? That, okay because once you make that decision it's like the tower is split mm. like that's yeah that whole thing yeah. comes around so uh having i think just the reality for them like they've been sitting there the whole bloody world knows they're there like mm. everyone even the mm. bloody white cloaks know that they're sitting there so 
Um, yeah, you know, might as well move. Here's the reality. Armies can just pop up on your doorstep. The world is very small now all of a sudden. Yeah. Swan says to Egwene, um, she should use the band as her own like personal protection. Like she can run to them for protection if she needs to. Um, I didn't know how the mechanics of that would really work. Like what would that mean for Egwene? Protection from whom? Like the rest of the Aes Sedai or from the outside world? Don't know. But another thing that Swan says there is that she had told Egwene that she was trying to make things obvious for Vanon to find out. But by the time she'd made it obvious to him, he'd already ferreted it out before. Like there was stuff that she wanted to sort of drip feed him, but she found that he already knew all the things that she was trying to drip feed him. Because she knew that Vanon is Matt's sort of spy master information courier mm-hmm. type. I suppose he's a spy master, eh? Mm-hmm. And I just Maybe. thought that was cool. Like, and he's not like, a bowler. Okay, I'm going to drip feed this guy some stuff. And he, he already knows everything. Don't worry. He's been running messages under your water's noses. This uh, horse thief knows exactly what he's doing. All righty then. Anything else from you guys before we stride on? Nope. Let's stride on swiftly. Okay, let's stride on then to chapter 45 called A Bitter Thought. What could possibly be bitter about the return of Perrin, Jody? Well, certainly this beer is not bitter. Mm. Oh, I didn't hear that. Uh, you didn't hear it? No. Uh, it'll come through in the recording. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the beer is slightly bitter, as it should be. Mm. All right. So, yeah, everybody rejoice. Perrin is back. You. After. Is, is that why you're cracking one a beer? And a half thousand pages. <laughs> yes, I'm having a beer for Perrin. Cheers, Perrin. Damn. Now, make me feel out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, oh, that's a nice beer. All right, so <laughs> Vilnar, we're, we're in Vilnar's point of view. He is good old Vilnar, a Saldane. <laughs> oh, Vilnar, you know, you've we've de toda la vida, as they say in Spanish, you know, like you like some, something or someone you've known your whole life. There he is. Um, he is leading his mounted patrol around the new city, uh, in Camelin. He's letting his thoughts wander around, and uh, and he gets to the White Bridge Gate. And he looks through it and he sees a long column of really bunch of weirdos <laughs> <laughs> approaching. Bunch of farmers and carrying longbows. And there's, an, there's a couple of Aiel with them, although he's used to Aiel by now. Mm-hmm. And there's a Tuathan. There's a dude, but he's wearing a sword on his back. It's just like, what? The, I don't, are my eyes deceiving me? What's going on here? Um, and then there's the, one of the guys is carrying a banner in front of him. And it's like red and white. And it's got a wolf head on the front. And then he recognizes a woman that is riding right in the front of the column next to uh, a very beefy boy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, dear Lord. Not and her. Gets his men and deploys them. <laughs> deploys them. Run, everybody everyone, to the gate. found us. <laughs> Uh-oh, I know who that is. All right, so then he darts off to get his men and they head off to the gate to go and meet this column. And we switch over to... Perrin's point of view for the first time in a long, long time. Welcome back, my beefy boy. We have missed you sorely. Um, Perrin draws rain before the before the city gate, um, and he smells a little something from uh, Fa- Fail that is uh, very reminiscent of anxiety. 
uh, as he notices that all these people at the gate, all the guards and the people behind them, there's a lot of Saldeans in town. And he's like, oh, okay, probably, you know, she's just, you know, excited or scared a bit, you know, hesitant of seeing all these um, Saldeans around. Mm. Um, Aram is there. <laughs> and he is suggesting straight away that we should just cut our way through all of these soldiers. Jeez, he's swung oh, hard. Such a bloodlust, <laughs> he's man. Just, he's he's he's, he's completely look the pinnacle of that person that yeah. just swings from the one extreme to the other extreme. Yeah, it's like that mate that you have. Like yeah. the one day you see him and he's rocking like crazy emo clothing and Doc Martens, and then the next day but he's you're that mate. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day, he's a reborn Christian. Okay, no, that's not funny anymore. Bay. <laughs> yes, no, yeah, the... J Bay man. <laughs> yeah. It's like maybe third friend. <laughs> yes, yeah, basically. But yeah, we get it. This is Aram. Aram is that guy. All right, he's just gone hardcore. Uh, but he's not the only one because he turned around, like Perrin turns around, and Gaul's already failed as well. Gaul's like, let's kill some people. Like and Perrin's like, whoa, 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 everybody, chill the fuck out, please. Everybody, just relax. Um, I'll just go and talk to them. How about we, we, we try our words first before we start killing people? So he goes up to the gate and introduces himself. And, you know, tells them who he is. Uh, <clears throat> they tell him, of course, that. You know, nobody's allowed to enter the city gate with with more than 20 armed men or with 50 servants. And they give him all the rules. Like, there's too many of you guys here with weapons. So Parentals, the two rivers people, and Aram. <laughs> it's like, dude, maybe you should stay behind. You know, just for a moment. Go and make camp at that clearing we passed a couple of miles back. Everybody hang out. I'll go inside. And we'll sort everything out. And then, you know, we'll take it from there. So that there's not too much killing and bloodshed. So immediately when he comes in, he uh, asks it to be led to Rand. He's like, I, you know, I'm Perrin. You should know me. I'm all buddies with this this Dragon Reborn guy. Take me to him. Bane and Chayad are there. Um, they they decide, look, we got to go. I think it's just customary as well for the Aiel. When they meet other Aiel again, they have to go hang out with their societies. They have to go check in. Um, so they bugger off as well. And then Gaul eventually does as, as well. He figures, well, I'm not going with Bane and Chayad. So I'll go to my guys. He's a stone dog, isn't he? If I remember correctly, uh, cool. I think so. Yeah, Ugh. he is. I think he is. So obviously they're going back to their societies just to go and hang out and drink some usquai and you know catch up. Um, so they're moving on to the palace. Uh, Perrin notices as well that Vilnar is pretending like he doesn't know who Fail is. He's doing it so blatantly that it's <laughs> obvious that he knows who she is. <laughs> He's like, if, if you and he's looking don't at them, give her any signs that we recognize her, maybe she won't just leave us yeah. alone. Because, <laughs> I mean, he knows. I mean, Vilnar is figuring like, oh, he knows that his, you know, his commander in chief is, you know, missing his daughter. And he has his daughter. Like, I don't want to be in the middle of this reunion. I don't want to be at all anywhere near any of these two people at this moment. Um, but yeah, they're both just completely ignoring each other. And Perrin has immediately noticed that they must know each other. They get to the palace, and they get taken to Rand's rooms, um, and uh, they meet, and it's, all, it's a nice little reunion. Perrin, uh, Rand is super stoked to see Perrin, and Perrin and him have a nice little chat. Perrin's surprised that um, that Rand already knows about his marriage to Fael. He's like, oh, congratulations, and uh, so glad that you guys are there, and 
Um, but of course, he learned that from the two Rivers girls that are in Camelin that came with Varen and Alana. So he explains all of that stuff there. And Perrin is, of course, super stoked to see Min. And Min is extremely stoked to see Perrin <laughs> and runs up and hugs him with much love. Um, much to Fael's dislike. <laughs> like, I think to Perrin, the stench of her jealousy just fills the room. He's like, all right, that's enough hugging, Min. Perhaps for your own sake, you should let go of me now. But I'm just thinking as well, like the last time that he saw Min was up when they were hiding in the mountains. In so the I snow. thought as well, yeah. Was that hmm. the... Yeah, it's been a long time did, since they have seen each other. Didn't Perrin think mistakenly that Min had a thing for him? Possibly. Yes, he did. And she, oh, yes. Up She's in the like, mountains. no, you idiot. No, yes. you, relax. I love you no, like a brother. Not you. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he's over that. But Fael was not part of that conversation. Mm-mm. So she is like, you'll be touching my man. You're going to be dead soon. So, you know, um, Perrin doesn't sense this. He smells it. And he's like, all right, that's enough hugging. Um, Rand and Perrin speak, you know, a little bit of the two rivers. They have a, like an old catch-up session. They talk about Loyal as well. At this point, we find out that Loyal is walking back. He didn't. Uh, he went for a detour to that old um, forgotten steading because he was having a bit of the longing. So they say, like, well, he's a few days behind us. I think the, the bet was like ten days or something with Loyal that he would uh, that he wouldn't be there um, faster than he thinks he would, and he's like, no, I'll be there faster than ten days. Mm-hmm. But we find out, I think, a bit of, a few a few chapters time. So while uh, while while Fail mm-hmm. and Min uh, speak about um, you know Rand and Perrin and how they know they excuse themselves and then like Fail's like all right like the ladies are gonna go talk we leave the men alone kind of a situation and off they go split up to their little sections and then when Perrin and Rand are alone Rand immediately asks Perrin if he would go to Tia for him like it's not even like they literally haven't been in the room together five minutes mm-hmm. and he's like all right I need you to bugger off now. And Perrin's like, no, I just got you. I'm not going anywhere. You know, I'm married now. I've got, you know, my the two rivers men and everything. I'm not going anywhere. I've just arrived. So then Rand, you know, starts telling him about all the shit. He's like, look, dude, I'm not trying to be a dick about things, but, you know, I've got the forsaken to worry about. I've got dragon sworn. I don't know if you know about the prophets. Like, well, Perrin's like, yeah, I know about the prophets. Mm. Um, like, a whole bunch of shit going down. I need you to, to do what's what needs to be done. Also, this is when Perrin finds out that Moraine is dead mm. and, of course, that the White Tower has really split. So there's a big, like, info dump here and a yeah. lot of catching up go- going on, all right? Um, so, you know, after a while, they start speaking about the two rivers again after this awkward thing, but it's, you know, the conversation's already dead um, and uh, Perrin is ready to leave at this point. So right before he leaves, Rand just tells him, like, listen, just think about Tyr uh, and heading down there and go speak to your wife about it and all those kind of things. And basically, that's that's how the chapter ends. But there are a few things that I'm sure some mm-hmm. notes have been taken about during this conversation. Uh, that we maybe. Maybe. What are but your yeah, notes, reunion though? time. Not too much on that one. Um, I mean, parents back. That's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Fire is still jealous, yeah. which is normal. Um, yeah, I think all the juicy bits happen in in the next chapter. Mm. Doesn't Rand? That's, that's the chapter. Rand does ask Perrin about the two rivers, right? He's like, "Tell me about Emonsfield." Yeah, and, is that in this chapter? Yes, and that they have that whole catch up session. Yes, and it's like um, 
Lord Perrin, what, what does Mistress Luan think of that? And Perrin's like, she bows. And Rand's like, what? Elspeth Luan <laughs> bowing? That is crazy. And then, like, they, they talk for a while, and Rand does actually act like, you know, like old Rand again. Mm, but then, old Rand. But then he makes a comment like, I can't protect you or Matt. And it's the Batman slash Spider Man defense thing mm. again. Like, anyone that's near me is a target, that sort of thing. And that just downers the whole conversation. And that's when, yeah, it falls to pieces. Mm-hmm. but it's cool like the, 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 when he walks in like Rand's like oh my god yeah. everybody's like oh yeah. like old school it was yeah. all like it's not like he hasn't gone complete like he goes to bad Rand that's pretty soon I think when he when he, he starts falling to the dark side a bit hmm. but he hasn't got there yet and he's super stoked like I was so stoked to see Min when she arrived now Perrin's there and he's so happy hmm. it's just so good to see Rand happy and old hmm. Rand a bit you know literally laughing for a while yeah yeah. even if it's with Catching madness but you also get a reminder here, as he says to Perrin, like, you remember how Tom used to juggle those balls? That's what I'm doing. I'm juggling so much shit mm. right now. And he rattles off a couple of things. And you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Actually, he does. I mean, I know Dragon Reborn, save the world, blah, blah. But yes, there's a lot of moving pieces. And he's concerned about all of them and influencing all of them. And he's got so many pieces moving at the same time. It's it's really and then he tell, like, like, he should have waited. To ask Perrin about Tia. Probably. Well, almost command Perrin. Mm. Um, but like you said, he's juggling so many things. And also, you've got to remember, he's been sitting in Camelin now for how many books? Like, he needs to move. Oh. Like, he's been stagnant for too long. Well, between Kyrian and... Oh, Camelin, yeah. Camelin and Kyrian. And probably Tia, because they mentioned at one point he's in three cities in a day. In his own little hideaway places. Yeah, but he needs to get out. He needs to get... Uh, Elaine in there and carry on with but other things. That's yeah. why he's so desperate. Like he, yeah. he doesn't know who to leave in charge exactly. other than Elaine. Like mm. he needs her to take charge of, and to take charge of Kyrian at the same time. Like he wants to give her both thrones and go deal with this while I deal with the fucking Forsaken and everything else that's coming down my neck. Yeah, he, I think Tia is the next big thing because now he had Matt going to Tia, but he had to detour those mm. plans. Now Perrin's here. Oh, sweet, you can do the Tia thing. Because the next thing on my plate is some ale. Well, what he's alluding to here is that um, he needs one of his known allies to be in yes. tier to make it look like that is the actual plan to attack from tier. Exactly. Um, and he says something like, you would be only the third or fourth person to know mm. the actual plan, the real yeah. plan. And the only plan, the only, it's only Rand, Matt, Dabram. Bashir, and now Perrin that know. Right. Maybe Ruach? Not even. Ah, I don't even know if Ruach is No, I think the clan chiefs are still in the dark because the clan chiefs are like, why are you fucking around with Weiramon and all that shit? Mm, They're all up there. They're all that side. No, they're marching from there to Ilion. They're on the the border of Kyrian marching to Ilion to draw Samael's attention. Mm. Yeah, and Samael's not going to buy it if if it's not one of the the top three O's. Yeah, the Taverian. On the doorstep on his, yeah. Um, somehow else too smart for that in general and to battle planner the only smart forsaken <laughs> um, and he still dies <laughs> they all do next book <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um, have we ever read the word bully boy in these books before <laughs> <laughs> no bully boy I don't even remember reading is it in this chapter? Uh, it's yeah, from it Vilnar like he he thinks of um, 
bully boys in town and something. So I thought maybe it was like a cool, another one of those RJ, like we're in a Soldean's head. Maybe he's using Soldean slang, right? Like maybe in mm. Soldea, that is a term that they use for like street toughs or, you know, like people that throw their weight around in the street. Um, but then <laughs> Vilnar also thinks um, Maiden's Kiss sounded innocent enough. <laughs> That's what everybody thinks. <laughs> Do you guys remember what Maiden's Kiss is? Um, that you don't play it. Do you remember how it works? Yeah, the no, rules of it. Can't remember. It, it involves knives. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe. I also always knew that, but I thought, like, let me just go read. Like, how do you play Maiden's Kiss? Tell, tell me again. So here it goes. Maiden's Kiss is started no. when a group of maidens surround a man, or on occasion, a woman. Um, and with their spears either pointed at or pressed against the player's throat, each maiden takes a turn kissing the victim. And if the kiss satisfies, they move their spear away slightly. If not, they inch it closer to encourage a better kiss. Yeah. All the participating maidens <laughs> take at least one turn. So if there's a bunch of you're like kissing all these women and... If they don't like what you're doing, the spears get driven into your neck slowly but surely. Holy shit, RJ. <laughs> Not so innocent, Vilnar. No. Steer clear. I think it's like a gang rape or something. It, Jesus. It is. It's, yeah. It's literally that. Um, I mean, I think Matt, when he's... Someone tricks Matt into suggesting that he play it. Doesn't like Ruach or someone does earlier and later in a later scene, Matt has like blood on his neck or something from playing <laughs> Maiden's Kiss. <laughs> um, another thing the Saldanes think of is, or what that Vilna says here is, um, they think of the Aes Sedai as immortal. He, he, re- he refers to them as the ageless face of an immortal. So I thought that was maybe like mm. a little glimpse into how Saldanes regard Aes Sedai. Because they're not immortal. I mean, they do live very long lives, but they're certainly not immortal. Um, and Perrin has no smell of fear from the Saldanes. There's 10 of them. Perrin's got a column of soldiers with with Aiel and, you know, all kinds of armed men and no fear from the Saldanes. And there's just 10 of them. Well, also, you know, of course, they're borderlanders, mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. Two, they're clearly farmers with bows. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if you're a Saldan and you look at a bunch of farmers with longbows, you're like, oh, okay. Hunting, maybe? It doesn't really matter. I don't think they would be afraid. And they're used to Aiel. The whole fucking city's full of Aiel. That's true. They're used to them by now. Mm-hmm. So, but still, no, I get what you're saying. But they are, like, trained. How many men does Perrin have with him? 400 to 500. I think it's like... F- no, I don't think it's that much. I think he's only, have to double I think check, he's only allowed to keep 50. Like, any force larger than he's 50. He's only allowed 50. 20 soldiers and 50 servants. Ah. And I think he's got over 100 cross, ah, crossbowmen, longbowmen. Mm. I have to double check the, uh, consult the official text, the text. scriptures. Um, the scriptures. Gotta love those two rivers arches. Um, love it. I, I made the same note about Aram, just like saying, we should just cut through them. Okay, easy Aram. <laughs> um, but then... Yep. Parent, oh, yes. parent tells Gaul not to do anything, but he doesn't even bother talking to Bane and Chayat because they don't listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> Only Fayil. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually when they're given leave to pass, Bane and Chayat pass through the Sultans as if they're not even there. Like, just don't care about these horse guys. We stopped because Fayil stopped and now we will continue moving. And then when Gaul um, sort of chases after them um, with a, a weak excuse, you mentioned that he wants to catch up with his with his clan. Parents sort of like he knows why Gaul is hurrying after Bane and Chiad. It's because he's he's following Chiad, really. Mm-hmm. 
And then um, Perrin sort of takes that moment to think about the odd situation with Gaul wanting Chaya to propose to him. Um, and then he thinks, but also somehow, I don't understand, but Bane is also wrapped up in this somehow. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Bane and Chayad are first sisters. Yes, they're first sisters, and they became first sisters because their uh, clans that had blood feud or something to... Yes. Like So it means that if Chayad had to marry Gaul there's an open door for Bane to also mm. marry Gaul. And that's how she's sort of wrapped into it. And when Perrin talks, or thinks about talking to Fael about it, she's a little too quick to deny knowing what was going on. And I think it's because Fael doesn't want to introduce the idea to Perrin of a man having more than one wife. Mm. Like, I don't know what they're talking about. This is weird. Yeah, no, you're right. Let's not talk about the weirdness yeah. around Bane and Chayad and Gaul. Look, in the book, in the uh, holy text, it says, A long column of farmers four abreast on horseback, horseback made the bulk of it. Four abreast, long column. Doesn't say exactly how many of these uh, two rivers people are there, but... Well, it's a long column. That could be a hundred men long. At least a hundred. At least. That's formidable. I mean, if it's a hundred long, it could be 400. But are there that many young men that could leave the two rivers now? Well, now, yes. Surely they should leave a garrison. Ah, uh, maybe. Remember, Two Rivers is not just Eamon's Field either. It's all the way from Tarrant Ferry through Watch Hill, Devon Ride, all those places. Oh, Tarrant Ferry's decimated. There's no one there. It's rebuilt. This bloody sprawling metropolis at the moment with the refugees, man. They've got farming innovations being And all put the people coming in. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's a whole different scene. All the refugees coming over the mountains. Yeah, man. It's a metropolis now. Perrin also notes that Rand is tired. Looks tired. Everyone commenting on it now must be very obvious. Yep. And I'm pretty sure that a couple of episodes ago we were speculating. And I know that for a fact, recently we spoke about how old is Sorrelia. Don't know, a couple of hundred years we said older than Cad Swain. But I'm sure that earlier we had also speculated around like, how old is Sulin again? Like her physical description means says she's got a leathery face and like a sun, sun darkened scar or something like that. But here we hear mm. that um, someone actually says she could be old enough to be Chayad's grandmother. So she's old with white hair. Like Sulin is an old mm. maiden. Marriage never crossed her mind. <laughs> Putting down that spear, never. Was never I'll die happen. with the spear in my hand. Yeah. Never. What happens to her? Do we? Does anybody in this group know? Mm. I feel Sulin when Rand the gets fandom taken. feel like she was done dirty by RJ. Like she's played a big role and then later just sort of takes a back seat, and you don't have an adequate ending for her. She deserves better. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she got, but whatever it was, it should have been better. Yeah. Especially with the attention she's getting now for like being, you know, in the palace livery and like her her constant to and fro with Rand about the maiden's honor and stuff. I mean, that's a big theme. So she represents yep. that. Okay. Phil, anything else? Nope. I'm good. Okay. So then. Good is, good is nice. We'll move on then to chapter 46 called Beyond the Gate. What lies beyond the gate, Willem? Freedom beyond the gate. Freedom. Freedom. Okay, parent point of view. We've got uh, them obviously in Camberlin. And it's time for parent to meet daddy. <laughs> daddy with 9,000 <laughs> Saldan men behind Oops. him. He's... Uh, 
An opposing figure, to say the least. Imposing. Imposing? What did I say? Opposing. Opposing. It's not wrong. He's a short dude, but he is. There's a lot, you know. You know di- what dynamite comes in small packages. There is a lot of gravitas. And that it does. <laughs> yes. Anyway, impressive mustache. <laughs> Baron introduced himself uh, to Davram, and Davram sort of just grunts at him and leads the way to uh, where they're going to have this conversation. Uh, they get into the one little. Oh, quarter room, whatever it is. Davin pours some wine. And then the discussion starts. There's a lot of talk about, are you good enough? Are you strong enough? Or kicked off by, well, you obviously just chasing my estates and my money. Um, so where did you hear about me? And Baron is like, well, I heard that you're a fur trader. I heard you're a lumber merchant. At some point you sold ice peppers. But always scattered in between, there was a bit of talk about general things that generals do. So eventually, mm. he got um, Fahil to tell him a bit more. And he's like, who the bloody hell is this bloody Fahil you keep talking about? I'm here to talk about my <laughs> <Yeah>. daughter, Zareen. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, no, yeah. that's the name she took for herself as a hunter for the horn. And now he's... Perrin is bragging about the achievements of his daughter, and he he's falling into that trap, old Bashir. And then all of a sudden, he pulls himself out, out of it, and like you're in trouble, yeah, <laughs> son. Uh, and then he uh, Fail pushes old beefy boy, but too far to the point where he growls up, and he has a little bit of a wolf growl that Fail is is his, Fail is mine, um, and also to the point where Perrin got so angry that he crush the wine cup like a little uh, Red Bull can in his hand, like a silver <laughs> goblet. A silver goblet. Um, yeah. I thought it might have been pewter, but no, silver. That's some, some damn strong no, goblet no, no, no. crushed like a little and alloy a, And tin. a goblet is also not a dainty thing, like it's a... No, no, he... But we it's, also know Beefy Boy is not a dainty room. man. Mm-hmm. No, he is beefy. There's no pewter in the palace. Yep. Anyway... Um, Baron begins to explain to Dad Basher mm-hmm. that um, he would much rather be a blacksmith, or and he is only a blacksmith. He's not from nobility. And then there's a big story about nobility comes and goes, and this cleaner says to have been someone in Arthur Hawking days, and just remember the road up is up and down is just as hard, and all whatever wisdoms get passed on appearing from dad already <laughs> um blah 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 wisdom oh uh, he's being pushed on uh obviously not needing to hurt his daughter and does he even know how to treat a woman um and there's even threats of death being handed out um and eventually they uh decide it's not that bad and poor parent wish he had his cup so that he could drink some wine because his throat's dry but um, Davram decides that it's now time to go and see that uh, Fael and Daira has not murdered each other yet. And as they sort of ma- make their way through the palace and get closer, Perrin's keen hearing can hear muffled voices, a little bit of arguing, and then two slaps. Like, 
it's slaps giving in that room. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> to which they, you know, is that a How I Met Your Mother reference? Yes, that is. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I get that reference. Slaps giving. Slaps giving. Um, anyway, uh, the door get knocked, open up. Woman received them lovely with smiles on their faces, except that they're wearing the hand marks on left cheeks. But it's not even, <laughs> there's nothing even drawn to that. Like, what happens behind this closed room between mother and daughter, it's nothing to do with the men. And um, anyway, this is then, uh, Perrin describes the situation as two wet cats in a bag. Uh, that's a pretty good one a new one there. I would like to talk about these two wet cats I read it as Fayil getting a slap only one slap no. did I miss a slap yes she slapped uh, him on she back she slapped it back they both they both wore oh, maybe I, in my mind I just can't imagine slapping my mother's <laughs> thought the idea wouldn't even occur to me they, All right. they both have a red handprint on their face when mm. Perrin walks in ah, missed, left cheek I missed that entirely alright um, now All right, Perrin the pervert um, he lets his mind wander <laughs> and the um, uh, attractive nature of his mother-in-law and that he'll be a happy man if his wife ages to be that look way. Uh, but she's also an eagle, mm-hmm. this woman. Um, Fine-looking eagle woman. Of course. Dabram then um, asks about Zareen and Lady Dara. Says she prefers Fahil now. Like, okay, they've accepted this now. She's got this name. It's And the mom is sort of saying, like, this is what it's... She sits there. The okay. Uh, she tells uh, Perrin that yellow eyes doesn't make him a wolf. And uh, how <laughs> a lot of <laughs> pressure around can you handle a tough woman and can she be woman enough to be herself. And some very freaky talk around the um, first time Davram grabbed her by the scruff of the neck. And put her in her place. And how she loved it. And it's just going like, okay, now things starting to make These a bit sense. women they like it rough, eh? do like it very... <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. No, it makes it just makes a lot more sense now. Why Perrin and Fahil... Poor Perrin doesn't know. He's been pushed into this. But, yeah. hey, he got himself a, a rough girl. And he's got to make his nice little bed with that. <laughs> He's make his rough little bit a of rough girl. <laughs> yeah, but Baron is being pushed real hard by the in-laws, and with all of that acceptance, which it basically comes to, that you'll be a right for a son-in-law. Um, all of a sudden, Fail is like submissive, like this new, new scent, new look. But she's all of a sudden just like submissive to Baron. Anyway, we jump to a point. A view mm-hmm. of Rand, very uh, straight back into his planning um, on how to use people, and including Perrin in this case. Um, Min enters the room, and uh, like she doesn't knock or anything now, she's accepted by all the heel as someone that can just come and go as she pleases. Um, so she's got her freedom in that. Rand reflects on how nice it is to have a girl on his knees 
now that men is there so there's been some more mm -hmm. knee sitting uh, which i still don't believe is a euthanism joe <laughs> no they, no obviously there is some times when she's just sitting on his knee literally yes and other times mm. when there's nobody around where it's a bit more than knee sitting yes well, Ransel thinks this whole thing is a joke. So he, I don't yeah. think there's much more happening than actual knee sitting. And when she says goodbye to him, <laughs> giving him a, a kiss on the lips. And every time she gives him a kiss, it's a bit more of a thorough kiss. Every time it happens. See, yeah. what happens is that knee sitting becomes awkward grinding. And uh, <laughs> Rand doesn't mind the awkward yes. grinding. Although he's Dry just humping. <laughs> 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 it's the natural progression. <laughs> um, let's move on swiftly. Uh, the woman uh, men talks about the fact that there was woman talk, and the woman talk was more about the fact that um, uh, Fahil has laid down her law and territory, that Perrin is not hers. Um, so good to know. Uh, men had some viewings, um, but with the, the talking of the viewings and Aes Sedai being brought up, as part of obviously the viewing, Lewis goes a little bit crazy in Rand's head. Um, but Min elaborates around the viewings, and this was now when Perrin and Rand were together specifically. Um, that it was like fireflies, usually, so what's seen at the Viren is like fireflies in the darkness. But when the two of them are together, it's like the fireflies take over and the darkness is like suppressed out of it. So maybe sort of the importance to have Matt and Rand with him in this fighting, this mm -hmm. literal dark um, situation. Uh, Rand gets a warning um, around a viewing from Ben, but this viewing is so intense, like this, that she can see someone's going to hurt Rand, that she is basically at the point of crying. And Rand now finally sort of like acknowledging like wow this is deep emotions that a friend has maybe sort of clicking Ooh, wait a minute like she's just someone's the thought of me her being hurt is making this woman cry he is a dumb of idiot but anyway uh, she Weird. obviously downplays the crying and says no it's just uh, dust Clean your room. Get Sulin to clean eyes. better. <laughs> um, now, there's a uh, reference of um, Mirana that's meeting with Palavar uh, that um, Min is giving her brand now this information from what the Aes Sedai that she's there, sort of their background dealings. So Rand's getting a feel that they're also putting their feelers out to the nobility high and low um, and it's good information for Rand I suppose Min is giving mm. good stuff uh, Lewis keeps popping loose it's popping in and out to give feedback on the conversation don't, don't change it keep calling him Lewis please <laughs> it's the I first time you've so corrected long. yourself in three years I know <laughs> don't don't do it I love it um, yeah Rand is uh Pretty sweaty after that whole exchange. Um, big and Luz is just going off in his hand. Like, he'd like, kill them, kill them all. And then, of course, there's always a lay down a love and, you know, the mad things. 
keeps crackling on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it's with with Lewis. It's always kill them, kill them all. That's his <laughs> answer matter. to everything. in front of him. <laughs> what should I do? I don't know. Kill, kill them? them, kill them all. The uh, we now jump to the point of view of Demara Erif, an Aes Sedai that is traveling with the little tower, Salidot Tower, Aes Sedai. And she is heading out to the Oregon Gate. Her whole thing is about she wants access to the library and information that is in the library and all of it around everything they're busy trying to find out about the seals and everything else that they want to know. There's obviously a push to get into these city libraries. So she wants to meet up with her connection. Um, She kind of noticed that she is being followed by Ail, but doesn't Mm -hmm. think too much about it. Uh, I mean, after all, Rand is there head of the spear so to say you're keeping tabs keeping tabs on everything she's not going to break anything by going into the city she's just going up to the gates kind of thing like um she uh doesn't meet her person that's supposed to meet and through an alleyway that she gets um to make her way back now she sees and sort of recognizes and thinks this is the same Ale that was supposed to be following her and as they sort of um, she rounds the corner she's faced with these five or six men and um, as they pass her it's like she gets speared in the side misses the kidney, misses the liver misses everything else but a very defty blow gets land and she tries to embrace Sada but she can't and then darkness falls in end of that little section then we jump to a parent point of view real quick he is now um, Mm. alone with fail who is radiant and beautiful and looking proud and submissive and everything in the same sense Um, she Mm. um, informs him that she's also now been privy to learning a bit of maiden hand talk so she sees what the maidens say about him and his beard um that it's not <laughs> his shoulders wasn't his it shoulders <laughs> though is the beard they don't care for yeah. for too much but the big shoulders no no um everything's been brought up to their rooms now um announced that there's going to be some bath water on the way and um Perrin then tries to give sulin money for her services and i was like oh no he didn't <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it, Baron. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but while this is all going down, that there's going to be a bath and all of that, there's just um, her, Fail, when I say her, um, telling Perrin, just mm. also edging him up towards the point that buttons are going to get ripped off soon. And one of the first <laughs> of the six. Those big. Beefy fingers. Beefy fingers. The first of the six grandchildren is going to get started made now. Disturbingly, Baron mm. dives into the fact that his mother-in-law told him way too in detail how you execute the having of a boy or a girl. So she probably said, like, yes, just stand up, do this, do that. 
and then Barrett's <laughs> just like, it's got to do with the position. Oh, this Aldean woman yeah. is just too rough. Anyway, now um, Fahil also tells Perrin that uh, spying is a woman's job. And it's her job. And Perrin is like, you are not spying on Rand. Like, forget this. And he makes a promise. And she wordsmiths an Aes Sedai promise to him. Okay. Yes. And you just like, and Perrin's like, oh, I feel better now. Let's have sexy time. And she's like, I tricked him. I'm going to have better sexy time. Anyway, buttons were broken and shirts were torn. Go back yeah. to the point of Told view. Seldan girls. Yeah, man. Whew. Wild things. Point of view, Damara again. She has survived her spearing in the short rib. Um, she was found barely alive. She was found by her warder, Stefan, who, as someone delivered the message, intended message, for the purpose he felt the stab and he being her water fled out and they quickly found her and she was healed she's quite exhausted she was very close to death any which way they um know for sure that this is a message that's been sent she wasn't she wasn't meant to be killed but like the idiots that they are they think this is rand sending them a message uh, who is it in mm. actual fact sending them a message? Pat and Fane. Mm -mm. Don Fahey? Isn't this no. the White Lokes part of That's... the whole bigger plan? Fane's White Lokes. Is this Fane's White Lokes? That's what I read a couple of episodes. Oh, I think last episode when we rattled off who each Aes Sedai is, I mentioned one that was stabbed by fake fake um heal mm. what i'd read on the fandom wiki was that uh, it was fans fans i kind of you know the the plans hatched with um asanawa uh, that they initially before um pedronal gets killed he's uh with um he, he's who's his, his spy master bulwa or radam asanawa who's who's the real asanawa the questioner uh bulwa i question where they lay out these little things and plans that they're going to... I thought they were going to maybe sow some... Okay, yeah, that doesn't make sense, actually. <laughs> hmm. They were spreading rumors about the tower before. Yeah, you the tower. Looking into the future. Mm, okay, no, I've got something wrong there, but yes. I'm only going on the fandom wiki entry that I read about some of those Aes Sedai, and this one in particular being stabbed by Fane's White Clerks. Yeah, look, I wouldn't put it past Pedrin Denial to, you know, have a, an assassination attempt on a witch. Of course not. But I think that the White Cloaks that are specifically in Camelin now are Fane's White Cloaks. And the ones that shot at Rand with the crossbows and mm. a couple of them kicking around. Had that fight and that, yeah, yeah, in the street and that other woman died, some Rand, and it was like collateral damage. Mm -hmm. and so they're constantly attempting... Uh, Assassination. They're sort of, well, they're sort of harrying, right? Fane was, again, mm. quite clear about he doesn't want anyone to kill Rand except himself. Yeah, that's what's so, so he's weird. Just, he's just like... causing trouble. Distrust. Mm. Chaos. This is, this is more deaths MO, right? Yeah. Like causing Chaos. distrust. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, anyway, uh, 
she uh, has um, survived. Varian had joined the room, uh, and Varian clears everyone out of the the room, uh, the wardens and all of that. And she's like, okay, cool. This is a, a lesson that we didn't have to teach Master Althor then. But she says, okay, cool. The, the way that we're going to move forward, she gives Tamara as the one that was attacked. attacked. And in what seems to be a power move of levels of authority, like Varen has just notched someone like down. Uh, she's taken charge. She's basically taken charge of the room now. Yeah. Varen is now up control. Um, so, so there's obviously this a bit of abbreviation or explanation about this this power move that was just played out. And then they decide that no one is to go to the palace for a while and to let him stew on it and that they will teach him. And then I laughed out loud and then I laughed a bit harder and the end of the chapter. <laughs> you lolled and then you lolled a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I lolled and I, I rolled like on the floor. <laughs> when... When Varen takes charge, doesn't she sit down? Mm. Like, yeah. take someone else's seat. seat or something? Yeah, she's like, right, I'm sitting here now. Yeah, I, I'm in the, I'm in the, 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 the general's chair. I'm the captain. Everyone, now. listen to me. Yeah, Pies. captain's chair. Two pies, look at me. I'm the captain now. Two pies, please. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a little uh, clue before um, Demara gets stabbed. She's like, oh, there's dark eyes. Mm -hmm. something about dark eyes as well and also like, oh those aren't Aeol the Aeol is, is described as squat squat <laughs> squat with dark eyes and it's when anyone she, who knows an Aeol when she know. when she wakes up she remembers mm. the message that the dark eyed villainous looking Aeol gave her so there's a couple of physical mm. descriptors that mm. don't match what we know the Aeol yeah. to be and I felt like the Aes Sedai should have known that as well the fact that people comment to Rand that he looks like an Aeol is based on a set of physical traits right his, mm. yeah. his height his eyes his red hair and these guys don't match any of that or at least the one that spoke to her didn't match any of that and none of them I guess the others don't know it's only Demira that um, made the mistake of believing that it's an Aes Sedai. She just relayed to them yeah. that she was stabbed by Aes Sedai. In disguise. Um, and I think more than once, right? Like she got, sorry, no. stabbed by Aeol. And she got stabbed more than once. I think only once. I think. I could be, you mean, I'm, I'm known to be wrong. But I mean, those Aeol, <laughs> and the, those supposed Aeol and their disguises, it's kind of like uh, Brad Pitt in Inglorious Bastard being an Italian. <laughs> Arrivederci. Arrivederci. Yeah. Bonjourno. And they um they they purposefully missed her organs. Yeah. And the guy There's came and announced message. the thing at the inn at the right time. My thought was, why the fuck was she cruising around in alleyways without her water? If you're just going to the library to go check a thing out, I'm like, you're not like on official business. Why would you not take your water into the streets with you? She's also dressed. In a Domani dress. Like mm. she's drawing attention. And like as she's walking, she's thinking, oh, One I really of need to get some real dresses. One of six styles of dresses that she's again. worn her whole life. And every time she gets goggled at by men, she's like, I should really change what I'm wearing. And just mm. continues to wear the same six. And then that is heads what out in the street without a water. Like just, uh, we are just Aes Sedai 
Like, it doesn't matter oh, if we gosh. little tower or big tower, I said die, we are said die, we just rule the world. Yeah. Who rules the world? No, she knows what's expected of her, but she doesn't want to do it. She wants to wear Demoni dresses. She wants people to goggle at her, which is why she dresses like mm-hmm. that. And here it came back to bite you in the ass just this one time. But look, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why you have a warder, right? The situation's exactly like this. Yes, it's like the perfect opportunity to utilize your warder. Yes. Anyway, it's not like anyway, he was busy with something else. If she, didn't, no water. if she had a water with her, then <laughs> we would not have had this chapter where we get a false message delivered to them that they believe to be mm. a true message that this is rant telling them, watch out, I'll knife you. What a stupid mm. thing to believe. Like the most stupid thing uh. to believe. When Perrin meets Bashir, he reeks of cold fury. Mm. <laughs> but I wonder what he's actually mad about. Fuck is this she's guy that married my daughter? He's pissed off about his daughter. Could just be that she's there. Who the fuck are you? Not necessarily. No, even the ma- you think it's the marriage? Ah, totally. Like he, sh- this dude just married his daughter when he wasn't. He didn't even know he existed. Didn't know where his daughter was. She comes back. She's married to this guy. Mm. It's true. I also thought it can't be easy to crush a silver goblet in your hand. That is some... Unless you're parent, then it's a piece of cake. But doesn't someone else crush a silver goblet in their hand? I feel like in Feldara or something. This has happened before. Yes. And I'm pretty sure it was parent. This is a parent thing. Uh, Goblets are not safe around parent. I thought maybe it was Lan. I don't remember why Lan would do that. You don't often this has happened before. You are right. We've read a a thing about goblets. Goblets of wines. Oh, well, they were yeah, sitting with um, them. Lord Agelmar, who was reciting poetry and stuff up in that room. They were, I think, I feel like it was like when Lan was talking about Melchior or something like that. Why yeah, would Perrin be crushing a goblet? Him and Lan, him and Lan were having a poem off, as uh, Vili would say, mm-hmm. I imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll go see. I'll, I'm not going to promise a callback, <laughs> but I will see if I can go scan and find uh, a broken By callback. saying that, you are you are oh, promising a callback. It. Now everyone's expecting it. <laughs> Most of all me, because I can't let it go because I'm like a fucking dog <laughs> with a bone. There was definitely another instance of, of a goblet being crushed and then wine spilling over his hand. I remember mm. that clear as day. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know who it was. It's got to be. It's got to be Perrin. Um... Rand still thinks that Min's behavior is part of a joke, but he is, he is sort of, he is, he is breaking down and he <laughs> thinks to himself, he wasn't made of wood. Interesting choice of words, RJ. Mm, I, know. <laughs> I, I thought I had that exact same thought as well. Should it can't be accidental, right? <laughs> no. And Min, Min says a file, he's found his falcon and I wouldn't be surprised if she kills him when the hawk arrives. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good read, man. <laughs> no surprise, everyone's like, yeah. When Rand tells Luce Theron to shut up, it's out of nowhere. There's no preamble. There's no talking about Luce Theron mumbling in his head or anything. Rand is like mid-conversation and then suddenly just in his head, he's going, shut up, go away. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, caught me by surprise. A lot of this um, to and fro between Luce and Rand before the whole box incident, right? So setting up that little dynamic. Um, and then the two instances where Perrin needs to be there or Rand will die. You want to take some stabs mm. at what those are? 
Should be pretty obvious. No, I don't remember. You two should both I'll, remember at least one. The first one is the box. Dumas Wells. Yeah, I haven't read that instrumental there. And I mean, you read it yet, Joe? Okay. No, no, I'm on like chapter forty-nine or or something. I'm still in the uh, late forties. I thought you forged ahead and finished the book. No, 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 no. Okay. The other is Tom and Guidon. When Perrin is so okay. using so the, the dream spike and stuff <laughs> and protecting Rand from people being able to travel into the area where he's battling the Dark One and stuff. Okay. Um. Right. What else? Oh. Here's a thing that I mentioned in the last episode about how how can Rand not know that he's in love with Min? Because every time he thinks about Min, Elaine and Avienda, or Min finds herself into the mm. conversation. And here he Rand thinks to himself, she was a friend. He could as well have been called to Elaine and Avienda were the names that came to mind and they did not fit to Matt and Perrin. <laughs> like he's thinking of being called to Min. They do fit, Rand. They do fit. Two plus two <laughs> makes four, Rand. Figure it out. <laughs> You know, when people call him a wool, uh, like a wool-headed sheep herder, they, I mean, for reasons, yeah. <laughs> good reasons. It's usually girls that also call him that because he is being that at that point in time. Yeah. I mean, but that is the theme of this entire series, mm. right? Everyone's a fucking moron. Just like, yeah, speak to each other. Yes. If you communicate, communicate for one second, <laughs> all of the shit. If I ever write a story one day, over. I want to write that in where people actually communicate well and these things are <laughs> totally nifty. Yeah, in the but back. if you don't have conflict, you don't have a story, Moritz. That's you why you can still have conflict. It still be done. Yeah, just different. Yeah, okay. Just not this kind of conflict. No. Should we move into our final chapter for the evening? Oh, yes. That chapter is chapter number 47, and its name is The Wandering Woman. Wonder what this one could be about, Joe? It's about an inn, Moritz. Ah, weird. It's about another inn. Ah, oh, surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> this, this chapter started off so nicely for me because it just starts like slapdab in the middle of Matt's like inner monologue <laughs> as he's traveling to Ibudor. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Dude, doesn't like previous chapters is like him going, I'm not going with them. I'm not doing what they say. I wasn't. <laughs> Here he is. As Matt was wandering over to Ibu Dar um, <laughs> with Elaine uh, <laughs> and Nynaeve, all of his, you know, objections overruled. Here he is on his way to Ibu Dar already. Like we got over, like also again, like the, the, the leaving and all of that stuff are kind of like glossed over in a previous chapter because they're already well on their way. Mm. So uh, he's with Elaine and Nynaeve, obviously. They, they're with Adelaus uh, and, uh, and Van Dien, Avienda, Birgit, um, Julian, Tom, they're all, the whole crews, the whole, the whole Elaine crew, basically. And 12 cavalrymen uh, from the band. That, I don't think we mentioned yes, that last yes. time. Mm. The Red Arms are there. There's a dozen of them. And Lysian is there. Vannon, of course, and Olver, as, as um, Billy said earlier, are part of the company. And then Matt's got his, his two servants, the old uh, Nerim and Lopen combo mm-hmm. are with them now. And these guys are like, they, when they're trying to feed him as well, they're like, he doesn't want the food that they're serving. He's like, do you know how fucking hard it was to get like honeyed lamb? I don't even remember what it was. It was some sort of weird combo. Honeyed a lot of tongue. Weird, but the honeyed tongue. Honeyed tongue. Honeyed tongue. <laughs> and I think there was like eels and... and that, 
yeah oh the Aes Sedai are eating the lamb and he's like I'd rather have the lamb yeah you know, like smelling it over the, the cook fires but yeah and Lopin and or Nerim are upset that he won't eat the honey tongue that they stay they they tried to get so you know so much effort involved but anyway these guys like Nerim and Lopin the, the entire time are having this little like, battle between themselves like who's the best servant which is always great. They're, 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 I like both of these guys, mm-hmm. and I'm so, I'm bummed now that you mentioned Morris that one of them dies is killed so horribly, yeah, as well by a golem. I had forgotten that. Really, I had forgotten many that. Many other thousands, many other thousand things. I thought Nelesian was killed by the golem. Oh, were you saying Nelesian mm. was killed? By That's the what golem? I thought. I thought you meant Nerim was killed. Oh, okay. No, Nerim was there for a while. I don't care about <laughs> Okay, Nerim. Nerim survives, then I'm happy. That's fine. All right. I, mis- I misunderstood you. So, um, Elaine and Nynaeve, like, there's a lot of weirdness going on as well between them. Na- Elaine and Nynaeve are, like, super nervous all the time. Olva, of course, is there. He constantly dislikes Avienda. Um, like, Matt's telling him, like, if you want to go over, you can go over and eat with them. And he's like, no, she'll put a fucking knife in my ribs. And he's like, dude, <laughs> she's not going to kill you. Just relax. But Olva is, through experience, based on his personal experience, is, is very distrusting of uh, of Aie. She, you Can't say. No. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, so, like, Matt is constantly thinking that Brigitte is just a hunter for the horn. It's super tense in the atmosphere around them all the time in the camp. Um, there's a Jame and uh, is Jame another one of the guys that that's like the with like with Vannon? Because I don't remember who this Jame guy is, but he pops up a lot in this chapter. Isn't that um, the the Vandino Adelaide's water? Water, yes. Oh, that's the old right. Water. That's right. He's the water. That's who he is. All right. Okay. So he's there too. Him and Vannon are all constantly sent out to scouts. So like that. Oh yes, of course the I the the um the Isidai are sending James, and then Matt is sending Vannon yes. to do the scouting aid because Matt doesn't believe what James is going to bring back. And if he brings back anything and tells the Isidai, they're not going to tell him. So he has his own scouts. I I recall. He's the that. best scout, Vannon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Vannon. Like like you were saying earlier, Moritz, in the previous chapters, like Vannon is like. Slipping out of Saladar mm-hmm. past orders the uh, the waters without being noticed, mm-hmm. like that is the height <laughs> yeah. of sneakiness. Totally. If you can get past, and it's not just one water. That's like there's hundreds of Isidai, mm-hmm. probably hundreds of mm-hmm. waters because there's greens. It's a grey man. That's, that's, that's incredible. He just blends into the environment. <laughs> he just goes. Yeah. Totally. What would you call a grey man he of is. the light? A beige man. Beige man. <laughs> <laughs> totally. All right, new t-shirt. Beige man. Vannon. Beige um, man. Vannon is a beige man. So um, Elaine is constantly harping on about with Matt about his foxhead medallion. She's like, if you give it to me and I'll, you know, I'll check it out and I want to, I really want to investigate this, I'll give it back to you and everything. He's like, no, you're not fucking touching my, ma- my uh, foxhead medallion. Not a chance. And, uh, She's kind of all prissy about it and le- and then leaves. Um, but throughout the journey, constantly, that, that thing is turning cold against mm-hmm. him. Time after time after time. And every time he turns around and looks at them, they're all like standing together <laughs> and writing notes and books and like you got their heads together, mumbling and whispering at each other. And he's like, and the whole time, this is the, the part I mentioned earlier in the in the episode, just like the, the Matt hate that's going on about 
they treat him so badly and it's like all right fine you don't want to give us your permission we will just do it without your permission and i'm like dude that's not cool yeah you can't you can't treat this man like that yeah but they do and it's like day after day after day after day they like on the third day of their travels that mm. uh, um they uh they reach some village as well and it happens again um Nynaeve this entire time is avoiding matt constantly like whenever he tries to approach her she sees him and she runs away is she afraid that she's going to kick her back like yeah. like he's still out he for revenge pointed her finger at her the, to the point where she's actually scared now because where are they? like later when they're actually hitching the horses in the stable and stuff she's in there and matt walks in and he wants to just talk to her he's, he's already like jumps, moved yeah. on and she jumps and yeah. she's like don't you dare touch me and like slinks past him and scuttles off you know like she is genuinely afraid of him did he like give her the like, like I'm watching you, bitch? <laughs> I mean, in the office after she kicked him, he stalked her down. And if Egwene hadn't, yeah, you know, intervened, like you said, he probably would have known RJ. He probably would have given her a spanking. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, so she's still on about that because mm. I mean, like Matt, <laughs> being a man myself, I've already moved on. Yes. I've forgotten about yeah. that shit. But uh, she's she's clinging onto it. She still thinks he's after. Her. All right, okay. Got it. So, yeah, they move on. At the game, they stay at another village. It's like village after village. They stay at an inn called the Marriage Dagger. Now you know you're in Ibudar mm-hmm. territory. Oh, yes. By the names of the the, the, of the inns that are changing. Um, Matt is chatting to Tom one night. And he finds out that Brigitte is Elaine's warder. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the hero of the horn and all that kind of stuff. And that um, J.M., uh, and have become has become friends with her. Well, I suppose that waters hang out, you know, mm. like waters become friends with each other. But now Jame and Brigitte have have developed some sort of relationship. It's specifically when Jame found out that she is Elaine's warder that he took her in as almost like a daughter. Like, ah, yeah, because Jame is also an old dude. He's been around. Yeah, Matt a thinks. Of times. He's not Matt a thinks man. in the previous chapter where you meet Jame is like his hair is like falling out. Like he's, he's really, really old. And he goes, yep. Typical Aes Sedai. They just work you to old age and death. And then after death, probably work your bones. <laughs> <laughs> typical Matt thought. Typical Matt thought. But I mean, <laughs> Jame opted in wrong. and has volunteered. <laughs> just Matt being Matt. Oh uh, yeah. Matt being Matt. God, good old Matt, eh? So, okay, day after day after day, it's like the fourth day already, um, they're, they're on the road. Um, they're in a town called, I think it's So Tehar. Like, the names are becoming weird now. Mm. They're definitely in a different area of the world. It's now at this point that the Aes Sedai discover that the medallion doesn't work if you throw things at him. Mm. While his back is turned to them, he feels something hit his back, something warm and moist. And it's they've thrown a, a horse turd at him, and I'm like, "Fuck! Like, this is just so ridiculous and so disrespectful to Matt." Mm. It's like really, out of all the things you could have picked up, you're throwing shit at him now. Mm. Like, like they're giving him shit, figurative shit. Now they're giving him literal mm. shit as well. So I'm getting very, very pissed off at this at this point. Yeah. So yeah, basically now they figured out, okay, we can't direct things, but if we pick up things and throw them at him, that'll work. So they're still carrying on with their. Uh, 
investigations into how the whole thing works the, the whole foxhead medallion i'm wondering do they even know it's a foxhead medallion have they seen it no or they just... because i made that same remember yeah. the last time when i said matt was dressed down like we, yeah. in his opinion dressing up for the eyes that he was still going to leave his coat and everything unbuttoned and i thought maybe they had seen it but like Vili said, they yeah. talked about the warders turning out his pockets. And when um, Elaine asks him about ah. it, she says, you have with you a, tar- uh, a tarangril. Um, you must know, mm. can I can I study it? She doesn't say anything about the medallion or anything like that. So I don't think they know that the no. medallion so is. They, they don't know what it looks like. They don't know it's around his neck. Don't think so. Yeah, because throughout this chapter, it's constant. Like, it's cold all the mm. time. Like, every five minutes, he's like, what the fuck? Like, constant, mm. constant attacks on him. I, w- I would call them attacks. Mm-hmm. So eventually, on the fifth day, they reach uh, Ibudar. Uh, Matt feels the dice tumbling in his head. And I'm like, oh, the, the good old dice. We haven't had the dice tumbling mm-hmm. in his head in ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and they roll. They arrive at the main square. It's called Molhara. Alhara. Uh, again, some strange things. And the Molhara. Molhara? What? Hurrah. The second day? Anyway. Hurrah. And uh, the Terracent Palace. They've come to the home of Queen Tylen, uh, who who does enjoy a sex slave from time to time. Mm. Um, so Matt's like, well, I'm not going to stay in the palace. Uh, you know, fuck nobles. He, you know his feelings on nobles and palaces. Yeah, the right, so yeah, the right first uh, gut, gut uh, idea there. Start of that palace. Yeah. <laughs> no, what he thinks yeah. when he looks at the palace is he wonders what it would be like to live in it. You'll find out soon. Exactly. Enough. Don't worry about it. But his instinct is like, all right, that's just wondering. But his instinct is, I'm going to go stay at that mm-hmm. inn. Um, the Wandering Woman is the name of the inn mm-hmm. uh, for everyone to know. There you go. Chapter name confirmed. And in they go. They're going to go stay there, him and the band. And they invite Tom and Julian. But Tom and Julian are like, no, no, we'll stay at the palace. Like they are still, Tom at least is like, if I have to choose, I'm choosing Elaine. Mm. They get to stay in some crappy little room in the in the in, in, in the dungeons or something like that. They're in a servants' quarters mm. of the palace, but they're super stoked that they don't mind. So then of course, like Matt and Alicean and the Red Arms and stuff, they enter the inn where they are greeted by the uh the innkeeper, Satel Anan. Is this she who is no more or whatever? Yes. And yeah. I suspect what the I reason remember. the dice are rattling in Matt's head, because they stop when they Action. go in here. They stop right now, exactly. And then the dice stop rolling when yeah. uh, they are greeted by her. Uh, short summary of the chapter. That's basically mm. what happens. They've, they're in Ibu Dar now. The Aes Sedai are in the palace. They're going to Quitainen. And uh, the, these guys are now greeted by Satel and Nun. All right. Yeah. Comments? Have at it. <laughs> I, don't have a, I don't have a lot of notes, but I do have some. Yeah. Well, if you've got anything you want to add in there, you can go first. No, my biggest gripe there is just the way the treatment of how they just think they can treat Matt. It's pretty horrid. It I've is. had a rant about it already, so I don't have to really carry on about it. Mm. Don't worry, Matt will be okay. They shouldn't do it. Of course not. He he comes out okay. Yeah. Don't, don't get too hung up on it. <laughs> <laughs> look i mean if just the last episode won't be talking about how rand is like go and talk, sort these women out bring them back yes grab these others intimidate them loom over them a bit. everybody so the men are doing is it being to the women, shit and the women are doing it to the men yeah. so 
But it's Matt. It's Matt. We love we Matt. Love we Matt. don't like we don't to see, see people that. disrespect that's, Matt. That, that brings me to my yeah. next point. Um, something point we is. didn't talk about much here is how um, Elaine is sort of coming up to Matt the whole time and inspecting his troops and like yes, complimenting yes, him on how he's like, oh, you did this thing right, but maybe think of this or blah, blah, you know, like, and he's going, the most frustrating thing is she's coming in to, and telling him to do things that he knows he has to do and he's about to do anyway. Like she is. And this really irks me. Like, because I relate to Matt and I love Matt, like I'm having Matt's reaction to it, you know, like fuck off Elaine. I know all this shit. I don't need you to come to who the fuck are you? Like he's got all this battle experience and like managing troops and all that sort of stuff. And my initial mm-hmm. reaction is also just pure annoyance. And then, <laughs> then what I thought um, later, and as I sat with it, is like, I needed to remind myself how much I also like Elaine and what this actually means mm. for her and what this shows about her. I don't think she's doing it mm-hmm. purely to antagonize Matt. I mean, there's absolutely an element of that. But certainly, if you recall, Elaine is also choosing the Green Archer. And in the final battle also takes charge of the forces of the light at some point. Like there is a general in Elaine. She also studied under Gareth Bryan. Um, Mm -hmm. She genuinely knows these things. So like she's also telling Matt to do things that Matt knows needs to be done. So she's right. You know, she's not just Mm. a princess from a tower who then became Aes Sedai and is playing at soldier. She knows things about actual soldiering and she doesn't know what Matt holds in his head, right? She's she, all she's been told is he's another kid from the two rivers. He's a fucking farmer. How, how would she, why would she know that he knows how to run an army? So I'm, I'm cutting her a bit of slack. And what I actually like about it is like eventually when Vannon, like what Matt's breaking point is when Vannon looks all pleased after Elaine compliments him on something. Matt's like, that's my dude. Stop, stop influencing my dude. And I was thinking, okay, if I take Matt out of the equation, it's actually really cool that Elaine is having this um, this um, almost camaraderie with the soldiers and is taking an interest in them. It's not Van Dien and Adelaus and Nynaeve or anyone else. It's yeah. Elaine and she's coming over and she's um, sort of, she's knowledgeable about this stuff and will draw on that knowledge later when she is commanding. I think she commands the forces of the Aes Sedai or something in the last battle. Like if not all of the, the armies she's managing a large um, contingent of them. So I sort of, I talked my way out of being just supremely pissed off with, with Elaine. And it is because, like you said, because it's Matt, it's happening to Matt that I'm so indignant about it. Mm. Fuck off, leave Matt alone. He knows what he's doing. This also rings true to me because for so many years of my life, I worked with my father (laughs) in construction and stuff like that. And I'd be doing something and he'd come up and say, oh yeah, do that. (laughs) And I'd be like, I'm already fucking doing it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like I know what I need to do. Stop telling me to do it. And it's like, it was really like a a blast from the reading this shit. (laughs) Triggered me. (laughs) And I know, I know that this is bothersome because I do it with my kids too. Yeah, Like they'll be, if they've already done something that needs to be done, I still tell them because I'm the dad, I have to give the order. Like I know that's exactly what my dad did and I'm do the same thing. So when I see it happening with Matt as well, yeah. but yeah, I get why. Like that's not the part that bothered me the most. My was part the that bothered flinging. me, the, the treatment of Matt was the shit flinging and the constant, like if you won't come to us, we will just throw th- weaves at you 24 seven until we get what we want. Like fuck all yeah. guys. Yeah. 
Like there's a lie. I, that's that's not. I enjoyed like when Elaine asks Matt first of all. Like I think you recognize that Tarangriel are a thing of the power, and that everyone knows that Isadai should be in possession of them. So. Um, I won't demand that you give it to me, but I think that every night you should give it to me and I'll give it back to you in the morning. And Matt goes, oh, how very nice of you to suggest that I can keep the thing that is mine. Um, how about this? No. <laughs> like yeah. his, his answer is extremely sarcastic. So, I mean, he also goes out of his way to be like, you could just say, well, no, I'm not comfortable with that. Don't do it. He's being Matt. That's not how Matt is. Exactly. That it's like and that's my point, right? It's not like he's not doing himself any yeah. favors. He's not trying to ingratiate himself with these women. And I know he shouldn't have to, but he could also he could make his own life easier for himself. But that's not Matt. Matt is going to Matt, and now he's dealing with the consequences, which are shit, but also not totally unpredictable. I did laugh at Matt when uh, they're sitting and having a drink with Tom and Julian, and he he says to he says, I guess. A female warder, she looks like she would be a fine warder if she can actually shoot that bow. And Julian starts choking and Tom has to like slap Julian on the back and he goes, don't worry, yes. Matt, I think she can. Yes. Uh, nice moment of levity. That was a cool spot. Yeah. Um, what else? I already made the mention of the when Matt sees the palace, he thinks about what it would be like to live there. And you'll find out pretty soon. Um, and Sital Anan is on the scene and the dice must be for the success of the mission because it's when he has to make a big choice and he picks the inn. And when he picks the inn that has she who is no longer who finds the bowl of mm. wounds for them or helps them find the bowl of wounds, the dice stop. Lucky Matt made the right lucky choice once again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. That's some good stuff. Um, some lots of uh, political maneuvering, but then also these like pretty funny chapters with Matt and Elaine. I enjoyed reading this stretch and I've read ahead a bit and I enjoyed that as well. Mm-hmm. Like they were like the, the, the chapter, the first chapter we did today about the Aes Sedai and blah, 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 mm. like, yeah, whatever, but uh, things are happening again. We're getting closer to the end of the book. Mm. We're getting closer to chapter 55. Do my wells, which I was reflecting on today must be the most memorable chapter of the entire book to me. It's the thing, like, when you think, like, what is the most hardcore, like, hectic thing that happens? Do My Wells is at the top of the list for me. I wouldn't even say this book. I would say uh, maybe of the series. I meant the the, series. I meant the series, series, yeah. Ah, right. You said, okay, but anyway. Sorry, it's late. Like, if you go onto forums, if you go to, like, Facebook groups and stuff of Wheel of Time Mm. fandoms and stuff, people are always sharing, like, on their rereads where they are. 100% 100% of the time they're sharing Dumai's Wells. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> that is always in that, relation. Like, okay, have I you finally, reached Dumai's Wells I yet? Find, <laughs> yes. Like, that's like you start the book. I've finished book one milestone. I've read Dumai's Wells, second milestone, mm. and I'm finally at the last battle. People share, like, yes, you know, the end of the Wheel of the Time. Chapter. Yes. Yeah. It's like those are the three most common yeah. photos uh, and like pit stops. No yes. one's saying the, I'm doing my in between yeah. stint of the new spring. Oh, a cu- <laughs> well, a yeah. couple mentions of the slog. I'm deep in like crossroads of twilight or something, and the politics is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Christina's um, like last night we went to bed at half past midnight uh-huh. uh, after watching a movie, and she takes out her book and starts reading because <laughs> she's <laughs> yes. Egwene is in the tower. Oh, she's yes. like, like, that's where she is. <laughs> like, I don't care what time it is. I'm reading about Egwene in the tower now. Even if it's just 10 minutes before bed, whatever. Oh, I love it, Christina. Yeah. 
Okay, well, I think we've covered everything for this evening. Shall we move along then to favorite moments? Aye. Oh, you seem very enthusiastic, Jody. So what is your favorite moment oh. from this stretch? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> my favorite moment. My favorite moment is a mat moment. Of course. Obviously. There's, there's a lot of mat in this. Room. But it's that moment in the chapter I read where it's like where the chapter starts with after all his protests, Matt is on his way to Edo. Like <laughs> the inevitability of it. <laughs> like after all your bitching and complaining and resisting, there he is. I'm on a horse going to Edo. I mean, that is Matt's like, way, yeah. right? Like just like constantly resisting <laughs> and kicking and screaming. I'm not yeah. the bloody hero. I'm no fucking lord. Yeah. Blah blah blah. And then he always ends up doing doing this. I did listen to Tom a bit there exactly. in the previous before the stretch, mm-hmm. saying like, "Hey, have you thought about yes, just doing, yes. you know?" Out of good, just doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing is, I the the chapter when I picked when I read that chapter, I hadn't read for a couple of days. I'd forgotten the build up to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now in like now that we've recapped everything, there is a build up mm-hmm. to Matt being on the road yeah. to Ibudar. But I'd forgotten all of that. Like kind of like mm-hmm. cataloged it. And by the time I got to that chapter, all I remembered was his fighting about mm-hmm. it. And then the next chapter on the road. On the road, like, yeah, almost next there. chapter. <laughs> All of that was for nothing, Matt. Yeah. How about you, Will? I don't want to just mat it all out there, but it's so hard. Oh, you're going to. Parents just it, wasn't man. really noteworthy. I mean, he squashed the cup and just showed his string. <laughs> but Matt. Hey, that in-law meeting is. Yeah. Matt walking up to Swan. Yeah think he's gonna dance with a pretty little blue-eyed girl <laughs> and swan putting him right back in his place and he recognizing and remembering oh shit this is the real swan sunshine <laughs> oh god damn what am i doing Ooh, i just realized yeah. that swan must have been sitting there and like seen him a mile away because she can see Taverin. So he would have been this like shining person walking mm. through the crowd coming over. She's like, oh God, here he comes, ready to just send him packing. <laughs> and he's like, hey, baby. <laughs> hey, little lumps. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with this uh, this Halima lady. She's a bit too weird, always trying to lead. I'm like, hey, here's a pretty little thing over here. Uh-oh, Swan Sanjay. Yeah. Pretty little <laughs> snip of a woman. stuck with Halima, bro. You would have been better off. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Arangar can't channel at you, so mm. you're safe. A little bit of a risky biz. It, it isn't is Logan still in the camp um, with yeah. them there? Salinar. Yes. Yeah. So wouldn't that have been shielded. one massive risk for Helima to channel? He's shielded. I think I thought the same thing. Now I think he shielded or not, he would have sent someone channeling. But I think that. Lima just channeled a little bit at him to like probe him or something. Mm. What are they not probe? That's what aliens do. What's the other thing? Elf. Delve. Probe. Same, like, same. She just channeled a little bit. I don't think she channeled massively enough for Logan to have sensed it. Mm. I think she was just testing the waters kind of a thing and then went like, whoa, mm. my test. What do you think? Maybe a little bit of compulsion or? I don't know what, what she was trying to do. I think compulsion is quite an intricate and power hungry weave i don't think it's like a slight thing and would you do it across a dance floor of people you know from a distance mm. compel him to do what dance with maybe just more. delve i don't know 
I don't know. Maybe she had heard. Maybe she knows about Matt's. She looks shocked. Ability to dissolve. Yeah, she looks shocked. shocked. The, no, her no, face, the look shocked, on her face yeah. is like, sheer shock. I, t- I took right. that whole thing of know. her looking shocked. It's completely like, man, she couldn't have been her. I mean, I didn't even Why think would she for look a shocked? moment that the metal would stop uh, Sardine. Didn't think that. That went over my head. Hmm. You learn yeah, something new every day. Head. All of us. It's kind of our <laughs> MO. But the shit, the shit hits uh, Matt square between the shoulder blades. Like, <laughs> no shit Doesn't goes go over his head. head. <laughs> no. Well, I'll just complete the tri- the trifecta then and uh, have an, a Matt moment as, uh, as my favorite moment. That should come as zero surprise. Uh, but it is when Matt sees Egwene and the other Aes Sedai come from Saladar the morning of their departure and he sees her and she looks alone and he figures fuck these guys for treating a two of us woman that way and goes over and he makes a big show of deferring to her and everything and then when she says like a quiet thank you matt i was just like loyal matt you know mm. he's making it like a two of us thing but there's probably like an Egwene loyalty as well right like they are friends they, they mm. have spent time together um I- nice one moritz <laughs> upstaged us all that is definitely the best one. <laughs> not, that's purely subjective <laughs> It's a competition, Morris, <laughs> don't you know? <laughs> um, I had an honorable mention with um, Rand getting some news from back home and laughing about Mistress Lewin and her bowing to Perrin. It's all very nice until mm-hmm. um, Rand, you know, sort of puts a damper on things again. Um, and then we had a listener submission of a favorite moment from oh. Jacob um, saying, his words, beefy boy getting thrown into the thick of it with the Bashir family and the insanity that is the yes. Soldan relationship mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob got Damn. a kick out of that. Shot Jacob. Jacob was a big uh, contributor this week. Big yeah. time. Uh, he had an honorable mention as well that I shared with him, which is uh, Matt just going dancing from Halima channeling at him and it failing um, or him asking Swan to dance and finally dancing with Leanne. Um, he just thought it was a great scene. And it was like for a moment there, I thought about like, would mm. I make that my favorite moment? But then what really tugged at my heartstrings was the solidarity with the two rivers. Yeah. Two rivers forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's what your tattoo says, doesn't it, Joe? Yeah, the one on my lower back. My tramp stamp. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Two rivers tramp stamp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two rivers forever. Um, Reach four. To our listeners, tell us about your Two Rivers tramp stamp tattoos and also your thoughts and your theories and your harebrained schemes. Uh, any answers you might have to questions that we've left woefully unanswered here. Um, do that by messaging us through any of the social media links in the episode description. We also find links to our website where you can leave a voicemail that we can edit into the show. You can find links to our t-shirt store. Uh, our discord server and all kinds of fun ways to interact with the podcast and and become part of it so uh, do check that out in the meantime next time on blood and ashes we will cover chapter 48 called leaning on the knife through to the end of chapter 52 called weaves of the power couldn't find a more generic chapter name in the Wheel of Time than Weaves of the Power. <laughs> Other than maybe Threads yeah. in the Pattern, which is also a common one. I think it appears a couple times. Another five chapters. But yeah, we're getting to the yeah. we're getting to the business end now, hey? Like this is the the real pointy end of this book. Only two more 
two more episodes to go after this one. Um, and that will draw a line under the Lord of Chaos. And then we can join Vili in the throes of Crown of Swords. I'm moved on already, baby. You finished Crown of Swords? Well, just just about. By the time you join up, I'll be moved on. I've got okay. All right. half an hour. Sweet. Exciting stuff. Vili, have you just forgotten what you've already read? Or are you that good at controlling yourself? Because you haven't given us... Compartmentalizing no, too much. Like really good. Um, and also trying to act like uh. I know stuff. Like, just not putting it out there. I read this. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, oh, yeah, because this happens. You know, it's like, oh, oh, oh. Like well, was, actually. My memory is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember so well. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. But that will be next time on Blood and Ashes. And until then, I will say unto thee, sleep well and wake. Good evening. That's that. (laughs) (laughs) That's what that's what a rooster says in Spanish. No, no. In 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 English we say cock a doodle do, and Spanish it's kikiriki. Now that you say it, both of those things sound (laughs) incredibly wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Cock a doodle do. That's fucking ridiculous. (laughs) Doesn't sound anything like what a rooster says. (laughs) <laughs> we broke Billy. We haven't broken Billy in ages. Oh, His boy. old camera is shaking. Ah, it's brilliant. Kikiriki, well, everyone. Kikiriki. Maybe we should change the official <laughs> sign off for the show, too. What? Kikiriki. <laughs> <laughs>